Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Action Radio. This is Greg Penglis coming to you from the historic district of downtown Milton on the banks of the beautiful Blackwater River. And now let's get into Action Radio. Yeah, I'm going to chair just here. <laughs> I always have to mute myself. I get tired of it. I just, I just crank up the chair as I'm getting, uh, getting going here. So 6 o'clock in the morning here, Central Time. Uh, 7 o'clock Eastern time, and I guess it'll be 5 Mountain, 4 Pacific. Fridays, we start a little bit earlier because we have our, our star firearms reporter, Shirley Watchell, coming in in half an hour. And so uh, this is Friday's just a little bit early. Now, I, uh, <laughs> I forgot to actually correct the show time. I posted it correctly on Facebook, so all you folks should be uh, wide awake and perky and, and, and here. But I didn't have it quite organized on uh, you know, on the show itself. In fact, about an hour ago, I looked at it and went, oh, no, <laughs> I'm starting at 6 rather than 7. So that happens on Fridays. I get kind of used to 7. 6 o'clock comes early. I, I feel like I, I shouldn't be here yet. I, should, I shouldn't be talking to you. I should still be working on stuff. And there's so much stuff to work on. This has been interesting. Uh, this whole concept of, uh, of accelerationism and the idea that, uh, uh, that the, the, the left is trying to accelerate everything you know, in other words, capitalism, they think is so bad, they just give us more of it, it will collapse because they think it's a failed system anyway. Um, I think they've got it backwards. <laughs> I think, you know, they're against growth. So, uh, well, and it's certainly, they're certainly stopping growth. I mean, this inflation is the opposite of growth. You know, it's, it's actually uh, reducing. There is no economic growth when uh, you earn, you know, uh, your, your accounts are in 1% and inflation is 8%. That's a, that's a reduction of 7% of, of, of your income and your wealth and your net worth. And so there's nothing. It's just the opposite. They're getting what they want. They're getting degrowth, <laughs> if that's such a word. They're, they're, they're getting a, a situation where the government gets bigger, uh, our incomes get smaller, property and, and wealth are transferred through inflation to government and the, and the major banks of the Federal Reserve, and they're getting exactly what they want. They're getting illegals crossing the border. Uh, they're getting uh, no energy for us, uh, you know, no food, <laughs> you know, no energy, no food, no supplies, no supply chain, no nothing. All the things that uh, you know, make life uh, free and independent, they're trying to take away. And it's really quite fascinating uh, to see this work. And they even make up their own words for it. So the, I, for the first time, uh, I'd ever heard this term accelerationism was about two days ago, three days ago, somewhere in there. You know, I'm, I'm poking around my research. And I'm looking at this, I'm going, why, why are they doing this? So my theory, my theory that I developed over the last couple of days um, is that the, uh, the left, the, the Marxist left, the, the coup that is presently occupying what would normally be our federal government uh, has picked their next target. Uh, well, they pick the next way of, of targeting the folks that they don't like, in other words, anybody that disagrees with them. So January 6th is kind of running out of steam. You know, they've, uh, they've suppressed the, uh, the in- investigation of their coup. They've uh, convinced people that the Trump electors aren't viable anymore. They've uh, they basically maintained the lie that nothing happened on January 6th except what happened on the above floors and that really nothing happened underneath. The, the whole January 6th committee is to cover up what went on beneath the Capitol. You know, and that was done by by not having anything in the congressional record, having Congress meet for seven hours with absolutely nothing said about it. That's unheard of. I, I believe that's probably, you know, it's against the rules of, of Congress, certainly, to have things go on and not talk about it. So whatever happened under the Capitol, the coup, as it were, the talk, you know, where all the arms were twisted and they all came up st- upstairs, you know, seven hours later, you know, praising Brandon and saying, we're going to we got to like Brandon for the good of the country rather than take the evidence of, of who actually won the election. You know, so that's fascinating. So all this stuff goes on. The, the, the words get uh, changed around. The propaganda flies. And uh, 
the committee came out, I think, yesterday or, or, or recently in the next last couple of days. You know, they're not uh, they're not bringing an indictment against Trump. Uh, the subpoena is done. You know, he doesn't have to testify. Well, the truth is he never had to testify. Congress can't can't do that uh, as far as I know. I mean, they can investigate. But the, the subpoena power is interesting. They're not a judicial body. They're not a grand jury, you know, and so they can't they can investigate everything. Well, they have to investigate because they make the budget. So you got to be able to find out the dirt on what, uh, what's happening in the various government departments and agencies to find out who's stealing. <laughs> you know, and I say all of them at this point because they get so much money. So it's interesting just watching all these, these manifestations go on. Anyway, every once in a while, the, um, the, the left decides that their, their current target, in other words, people that oppose them, um, need to be gotten after a different way. And so it was election deniers, you know, was one. Um, you know, I'm actually an election questioner. <laughs> you know, well, I do deny it actually too. I, I, no, I don't deny that the election took place. I just, uh, I just think the results are fraudulent, uh, and so that's different. Uh, or an anti-vaxer that was that was big, you know, a couple of years ago during COVID. Uh, well, I actually am against vaccines. I've been against vaccines since the 90s. I don't know if you all remember this, but there was a, a big vaccine scare. Uh, a couple of things: the, the anthrax vaccine, you know, and Gulf War syndrome. Uh, the flu vaccine wasn't all that popular. And a lot of parents, uh, you know, me included, you know, when, when my kid was, was uh, a baby, you know, or very young, uh, first few years, you know, said, no, we, we, uh, I think she got a couple of the, the regular ones, you know, the, 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 the traditional, what is it, the MMR and the DPT, uh, measles, mumps, rubella, diphtheria, pertussis, which is, uh, and uh, tetanus. Pertussis is whooping cough. Other than that, no, because those other ones have been around for, you know, 40, 50 years, so they were... Uh, they, you know, as far as bill it healthy, but the rest of the, the new stuff they come out with, what? Um, hepatitis B and uh, do they have an HIV and all those other, you know, whatever they get nowadays. It's crazy now. There's no reason for it. There's, there's this sort of collective um, uh, mind block that, uh, that just because the disease is out there doesn't mean you're going to get it. You may, but even if you get it, there's still treatments. You know, and the question is nobody ever talks about the treatments. All they talk about is the vaccine. Because the treatments, I guess, don't make as much money <laughs> as vaccinating every, everybody for something that maybe a few people will get and something that's treatable. You know, you, I'm surprised they don't have a leprosy vaccine. You know, I mean, terrible disease, leprosy. Well, how many people get it? People still get leprosy, by the way. It is possible. You know, if you're in a, a bad enough environment and you don't get treatment, you can get leprosy. And do we have colonies of lepers? No. Do they vaccinate against leprosy? Not as far as I know. But uh, why? Because it's treatable. You know, very easily treatable. And you know, whatever they use nowadays, uh, it's very simple. There's some other things, some sexually transmitted diseases that were horrible, you know, 100, 200 years ago uh, that wiped, you know, wiped out a good portion of Europe because we know what they were doing. Um, now, nowadays, what, penicillin, some of the other amoxicillin, whatever the, the cillins are, the molds that, uh, that uh, stop uh, SDTs, they work. You know, I don't see anybody being vaccinated against all those things because you've got easy treatment. So it, it's fascinating how this works. Anyway. So language gets screwed up, things get messed up, and we live in a crazy world. So one of the things, getting back to the left, is that they have to demonize and they have to lie. So they, they lie uh, about what they're doing, and they demonize somebody else saying that they're doing what the left is really doing. That's called projection. So projection is when you do something really horrible or you think something horrible, and you want to attribute it to somebody else. I'm going to have to mute for a second. I'll be right back. Hang on. Yeah, I'm glad you didn't hear that. <laughs> yeah, anyway. Um, but that's what they do. And so it's like calling the Ku Klux Klan, you know, a right-wing racist organization when we all know they come from the Democrat Party. You know, in fact, the Democrat Party has a history of racism going back to our founding. 
So the 1619 project should really be the Democrat Party 1619 project of their own racism, you know, from slavery through the Confederacy, uh, through, um, you know, segregation to today's, you know, affirmative action, racist division and, uh, and using race everywhere possible. See, whenever you, you look at it in terms of the easiest way to sell conservatives from liberals. Uh, or conservatives and Marxists especially, is to look whether they're talking about individual rights or group rights. And there's no such thing as a group right because that, by definition, can't exist. All rights are always individual, express, you know, uh, expressed and, uh, and done by individuals. That's just how it works. And, and you know, that's, that's, I mean, that's the definition. That's saying a republic is you know, a democratic republic or a republican democracy. No. A republic is a republic. A democracy is a democracy. And they're two totally different uh, political structures. Or, or saying, a, someone said, who is it? Josh Hawley, I think, the other day, or Tom Cotton. I get those two confused. Talked about a constitutional democracy. Well, that's insane. That's insane. That's like saying an organized anarchy. <laughs> you know, this, 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 it doesn't exist. Anyway, so the left has projection, and they, they talk about whatever they, uh, they want the most. They say that uh, they put it in terms that uh, the other, you know, their, their opposition you know, is doing it and they couch it in such nasty terms as it to be evil when we know exactly that's what they want. So I have to do some more research this weekend because what it looks like with accelerationism is something out of Saul Alinsky and I think this guy Gramercy. Gramercy was this Italian. I'm just going from memory now, so I will have to, uh, I will have to look this up. Gramercy, I think, is the guy that said that you know, we have to bring down Western civilization, Western society, you know, the whole idea of individual rights, you know, that nasty idea from white guys, even though he was one. Um, so all these things, and the way he did that was to, his, his thought was to overload the system. So in other words, he provides so many social programs, so much welfare, that the cost becomes prohibitive and the society collapses. And then, of course, you know, the end result is always their version of utopia, which is never anybody else's version, you know, or vision for utopia. Utopia doesn't exist. And that's the whole point of it, is utopia doesn't exist. You just have your own you know, personal utopia, if you can make one, uh, and if you're happy with oh, however you define it, that's that, and that's what individual rights are all about. Anyway, so because the the, the demonization, uh, the persecution, the the jailing uh, of uh, opposition to the current uh, you know coup d'état uh, comes around, you know, with new and different things, I think, and I can't prove it, uh, it's pure speculation, but I think the circumstantial evidence shows that the government's next tool of demonization um, are these power supplies, uh, shooting up the power supplies. And we talked about this, Pianchi and I talked about this a lot the last couple of days, and the whole idea that why would anybody shoot a, a power station, a substation? You know, there's no profit in it. There's no reason to do it. Extremist groups, they, you know, if, if, if there was a profit, they would hold them hostage and say, unless you, you know, do X or pay us X, you know, whatever that is, we're going to shoot up a power station. Well, they're not doing it. They're just shooting up the power stations. There's, and nobody, takes, nobody is claiming responsibility. Usually when a terrorist group does something, they want credit for it. Look what we did. We're bad. You know, and they, they could do some horrible things. No one's claiming responsibility. No one I know has been named in a conviction. No one I know has uh, received them in jail. Uh, no particular measures have been uh, taken to stop this. So it's, it just reeks of government. 
of, uh, you know, and we talked to this guy yesterday who had all the special team training and SWAT training and, you know, defense training and police training and evidence training and, uh, you know, hostage negotiation training and, uh, and uh, you know, all the stuff that would uh, be the perfect person to actually coordinate these attacks, not just write about them, <laughs> you know, because that's the way it looked to me. All right. I'm not accusing. Well, actually, I am accusing. But uh, I, I, I have no proof. It just, I'm just saying that his qualifications, he'd be the per- perfect person to kind of coordinate, you know, government strikes on uh, shooting up power stations. You see, this is, this is kind of like a clue to, as to why, um, you know, no, nobody's been captured. It's like uh, all the FBI operatives, Ray Epps. You know, why isn't Ray Epps in jail for uh, coup d'etat? Well, because he works for the FBI. Can I prove it? No. But why else would he be out of jail? If he were, in fact, a patriot opposing the coup d'etat, he'd be in jail. So the fact that he's not in jail is kind of proof that he works for the government. You know, can I say that? Absolutely. No. But why else would they leave him alone? Everybody knows who he is. (laughs) He's a public figure. So the fact that Ray Epps is not in jail, not on trial, not being demonized, not being looked at, pretty much guarantees that he's a a fed. And uh, so that's how it works. Recruited from the Marines, probably for... uh, you know, he, he's the type that would, would uh, you know, probably run the, the concentration camps if this were, uh, you know, a communist or a Nazi or a fascist country, you know, from years back. He, he, sound, he strikes me as that kind of person because yeah, he doesn't care about democracy or freedom. And he was a veteran, too. So somewhere along the way, he lost his way. And so we need to get Ray Epps on the stand and find out who he is, why he does what he does, why he's being protected and what's going on. You know, uh, anyway, so let's get back to accelerationism. I'm going to talk about this a little bit now. And I've got more uh, coming up when... Um, uh, after after Shirley, um, Derek is not going to be here. We don't have a financial report. We don't have a lot of things today. It's, it's kind of interesting. Uh, it's Friday. It's still holidays, you know. And I, I don't expect a lot of people to be here on a, on the Friday before New Year's, New Year's Eve Eve. Um, but Shirley's here, so that's going to be kind of fun. We haven't heard from her for a bit. All right, let me see if I can, uh, you know, talk about this this stuff here. I have to block my phone thing for a little bit. But anyway, so so I went to the the most reliable source on the planet, Wikipedia. And I found this. Uh, they may actually be accurate in this. So sometimes they're right. It's kind of funny. Accelerationism. And this is from, from the free Wikipedia, the free encyclopedia. And, of course, then they have a, a banner ad right below asking for money. Well, I, you know, I kind of do that, too. I need support as well here at Action Radio. And we have our givesendgo.com slash Action Radio account. And that's new. We're just waiting to get that going with, uh, with contributors to, to keep us uh, in our mission of freedom to do something no one's ever done before, which is provide uh, laws that you can lobby for uh, to get greater freedom for yourself, and that's kind of what it's about. All right, accelerationism, is, uh, according to Wikipedia, is a range of Marxist and reactionary ideas, that would be left and right, uh, in critical and social theory, that would be leftist, that call for drastic intensification of capitalist growth, technological change, and other social processes in order to destabilize existing systems and create radical social transformation, otherwise known as acceleration. So in other words, they still want social transformation. They want their utopia, and they figure if they accelerate the bad things, in other words, capitalism, then, uh, uh, then this is going to come about. You know, but uh, let, let's replace capitalism with the word freedom, and let's see what happens. And, and let's see it, put it in terms of that. So the people, the leftists, they can't stand freedom because freedom is the opposite of tyrannical government control, which is what they want. So in their minds, uh, it would be like saying we, we, we advance freedom to the point where uh, – you know, freedom is destroyed. Well, that sounds kind of stupid. Well, it sounds just as stupid to, with, with uh, capitalism. Or let's substitute free market. So let's bring out free markets to the point where they destroy the society. Well, see, that's not going to happen. Free markets, you know, actually save the economy. 
If we had a free market in banks, the banks that did the savings and loan stuff and the mortgage stuff in 2008 would be broke right now. The car companies that totally screwed up, brought the wrong cars, you know, that were bailed out at a previous uh, time would be gone. The SNLs that made horrible deals, fraudulent deals, bad loans, loaned to people that couldn't possibly pack, pay their loans back, they'd be out of business. See, the free market works. You know, in the free market, there's no such thing as too big to fail. In fact, in the, in the, what we really need is, is a free market of government. We don't have that now. We've got two parties. So in, in many respects, the free market, uh, we need a political free market. I like that term. I've never said that before. Let me get my notebook out here. This is what happens to me when I do the show. I talk and things happen, uh, for me at least. I hope, they, I hope they happen for you too. Uh, I've got to move some stuff here. Hang on. I'm going to listen to some paper shuffling. You know, it, it's, uh, I'll tell you, it's a skill to be able to talk and, and move things on your desk at the same time. Try it sometime and not say something stupid. <laughs> yeah, you never know. So political – I'm going to write that down here. Political free market. I don't know what that would be. Political free market. I've got stacks of notebooks. You know, I've been doing this a while, so I have, uh, you know, I have that my own color codes. I've got the there's the red pen part of it, there's the blue pen part of it, and uh, it just kind of all. Well, that red pen's almost done. Where's my other red pen? I know it's here somewhere. Things get a little scattered here on the desk. Okay, back to accelerationism according to Wikipedia. Whoop, long screen. There we go. Yeah, I, I'm terrible fear also of, of like clicking a button and turning off my show. <laughs> so that happens too as I'm talking anyway. All right, so let's get back to this. It says the term also refers to the post-Marxist idea. What do you mean post-Marxist? After Marxist? After Marx? That's interesting. You know, is that after the utopia is in place? Well, let me just read it. The term also refers to the post-Marxist idea that because of capitalism's internal contradictions and instabilities, which can jeopardize its growth, the abolition of the system and its class structures could be brought about by its acceleration. Okay, that's pure Marxism. All right. Let me translate that for you for a little bit. So having taken, you know, Marxist course in, in economics at the great university of Massachusetts, which allegedly gave me a degree in economics without any math. So I actually got an economics degree without taking a single mathematical economics course. And so that's why I don't, this is why I never call myself an economist. You know, I, I have a decent exposure to Marxist economics, which is all class structure, class warfare and things like that. So I understand them. Because, so I really, I'm probably, you know, better versed in, in Marxian economics uh, and why it doesn't work than anything else. Anyway, so the term also refers to the post-Marxist idea that because of capitalism's internal co- contradictions, okay, and instabilities. So there's the flaw right there. Capitalism, capital, uh, capitalism is a Marxist word. You know, you don't hear capitalists talking about capitalism. They talk about free markets. See, that's the difference. So capitalism is another one of those bad isms like Nazism, Nazism, fascism, uh, you know, communism, socialism, capitalism is an ism. And anything that has an ism is not good. But, capital, but, but it is good. But if you put it in terms of free market, so what are the internal contradictions uh, and instabilities of a free market? Well, there aren't any because the free market is free. It's open. It's like, the free, it's like a political free market, which we don't have because we have restricted speech. We have censorship. We only have two parties, uh, one, one who surrenders to the other. <laughs> You know, so it'd be, it'd be interesting to have a, I'd love to have a political free market where from, from anarchists to totalitarians could freely express their views. I don't mind that. I'm not afraid of opposing points of view. Listen to my show. People disagree with me all the time. It's kind of fun. <laughs> you know, I love the challenge, but that's how you defend your views. But if you're a Marxist, you know, you can't stand anybody, you know, contradicting you or saying anything against what you think because you want to control everybody. See, that's the thing about people who are, have freedom. 
the people who believe in freedom don't want to control anybody. You know, so we don't have to because we just want to live our lives free. You live your life free. Just don't let your freedoms interfere with my freedoms in a way that impinges on my rights. And we're good. <laughs> you know, that's kind of how it works, right? Anyway, so the idea of capital, I'd love to know what capital, let's see if you can look this up here. What are capitalism's internal contradictions and instabilities? Oh, here we go. Crisis theory. <clears throat> this is where I think we're going to get to Gramercy and uh, Sololinsky eventually. Crisis theory concerning the causes and consequences of the tendency for the rate of profit to fail in a capitalist system is associated with Marxian critique of political economy and was further popularized through Marxist economics. I think I just said that earlier in my discussion of the the great University of Massachusetts uh, and their Marxist uh, economics degree uh, where you don't have to do any math. That's fascinating. That's like going to med school without ever having to do any surgery. (laughs) Okay, I'm sorry. Anyway. you know, go to flight school without actually touching an airplane. That's, that, that's, that was the equivalent of my Marxist economics course um, when I went to school. All right, anyway, so we're talking about Marxism. Yeah. So I don't believe there are internal contradictions and instabilities to, capital, to, to free markets, yet Marxists do. You know, I see that, that would be known as the communist dial or the Marxist dialectic or the communist dialectic. The dialectic is saying one thing when something else is true and pushing one thing when something else is true. It's really quite fascinating, but that's what they do. So to say that capitalism has inherent internal contradictions and instabilities would have you try to uh, try to have you believe that capitalism is destined to fail. Well, actually, it's not. <laughs> you know, uh, free markets work. If they work where they're tried. The only thing that fails is when the government gets in the way. The depression was caused by government policy, not by the free market. You know, the inflation today is caused by government policy. Under Trump, we had much more of a free market, not completely, but we had much more of a free market. And, uh, but now we have much more government policy, and that's why we have inflation. Now, can a market be so free that corporations can set up company towns, can put uh, hazardous products onto the market, uh, can, you know, lie, cheat, and do all kinds of things in advertising, just, just blatant, you know, snake oil, lies, like the government does with COVID vaccines. Can they do that? No. So a free market, like everything else, has a certain level of regulation, law, and control. Okay. Do I, you know, do, do people who believe in freedom believe in anarchy? No, because they're two different things. Freedom requires a certain amount of laws, but it requires a minimum amount of laws, just the laws that protect life, property, and rights. That's it. Laws that do not protect life, property, and rights are usually more towards the side of government control, of telling you what to do, of taking away things from you, taking away your rights, your property, your income, you know, uh, your house, things like that. So that's the difference. So what are the inherent contradictions? Well, there aren't any. Free markets are pretty straightforward. A free market is one, you know, is it an absolute term? No, because absolute freedom is still anarchy. So we're not talking an anarchy market. We're talking a free market. Freedom requires a certain level to stop the criminals in both, uh, you know, private criminals and government criminals. That's how it works. Let's get back to this acceleration. Acceleration. Oh, this is a weird word. Accelerationism. So that's not ism too, right? So that, that's an ism like capitalism, socialism, Marxism, and now we have accelerationism. So whenever somebody wants to demonize something, they put an ism at the end of it. What is it? Je- uh, Jesse Jackson actually had a, a saying one day. He says, you know, capitalism without capital is just an ism, meaning that capitalism without money doesn't exist, which is kind of interesting. Anyway, so let's get back to this. It says, which uh, can jeopardize growth, abolition of the system, and its class, oh, then it says, and its class structures could be brought about by its acceleration. We see capitalism, freedom. Freedom doesn't have class structures. Okay? 
And Marxism does. Marxism does everything. Uh, they don't talk about money. They talk about value. That's why whenever any politician says that goes against their values, they're really Marxists. Because Marxism is based on, on a value system. It's not based on a monetary system. See, free markets are based on a monetary system, the free exchange of goods and services for money. That's a monetary system. Whereas Marxism is based on a value system, you know, where the government controls all the property and gives out property, your property, your, you know, the fruits of your labor are distributed, redistributed back based on your adherence to their values. See, that's the big difference you know, between, uh, between Marxism and freedom is values. So whenever a politician talks about, you know, that's not, again, that's not our values, they're talking about their values. And I'm still not talking about my values, but, that, but Marxism is a value-based system. So in other words, when they talk about money and exchange of goods and services, they're really talking about the value of those. You know, in terms of, and Marx actually explains things um, fairly well in one sense. If you ever read, um, oh, of course, I had to read it all, right? You know, Capital, Three Volumes of Capital by, uh, um, by Karl Marx. And one of the things that he talks about, which actually is accurate, he does have a critique of the worst of a free market when it becomes an excessive market. The slaughterhouses in Chicago, you know, for example, or the, the company towns or the steel mills or the, the, the bakeries that caused the Lochner decision, things like that. You know, uh, free markets brought about some pretty horrible places to work. So part of a free market is, is uh, ensuring that uh, the market is free, but people don't die at the workplace every day, you know, over stupid preventable things. So that's included as well. Anyway, but that's, that's where a lot of the Marxists got started. They said, well, look, you know, capitalism has failed you because the companies can, uh, will, will kill you if you don't go down the coal mine and breathe coal dust all day. You know? But that's, not, that's got nothing to do with the free market. That's just blatant exploitation. That's illegal. That's injury. That's assault. Okay, so those are crimes. Those are corporate crimes against people. It's a totally different argument. So, but but, the, but if, you, if you look at everything in terms of value, you know, corporations, the fact that corporations have money would be against Marxist values. Because if the corporations have money, that means that other people don't have money. And that's against Marxist values because everybody has to be equal, right? There's an equity. This is why they're always going for equity. Justice can't be justice, individual justice. It has to be social justice. You know, in other words, it has to be applied across the board in a group as opposed to individually. Well, as far as I know, if you're in court, if you're, if you're in a trial, it's individual. Oh, yeah, companies can be in trial, too, you know, uh, but it's still an individual company or unless it's a, a class action or things like that. I mean, we can get complicated. But the whole point is that just, justice, you know, the, the judicial system is based on individual cases. It's not based on, on social. You don't, you don't decide a case for everybody. Well, the Supreme Court tries to, but that's another argument. We'll get into that later. Let me go back to this. this I've only, I'm still on Wikipedia, and I've got a show coming in in a couple of minutes here. So it's got, uh, it says here, various ideas, including the Gillies de Luz, that's D-E-L-E-U-Z-E, sounds French, and Felix Guatani's idea of deterioration, what is it? Deteriorization, <laughs> another word. John Baldard's proposals for fatal strategies and aspects of theoretical systems, and this sounds very Marxian, and processes developed by English philosopher and later dark enlightenment commentator Nick Land. Well, there's another, I gotta look up all these people over the weekend are crucial influences on accelerationism, which aims to analyze and subsequently promote the social, economic, cultural, and libidinal, that would be sex, you know, forces that constitute the process of acceleration. So they're trying to, they're trying to get everything going. Let me read that again. Social, economic, cultural, and libidinal? <laughs> that, that surprised me. So just finishing up accelerization, according to Wikipedia, accelerization has since taken as an ideological spectrum divided into mutually contradictory left and right-wing variants. See, they always say that. It's really, whenever the left wants to, uh, you know, 
uh, sort of explain something they're doing that's really bad, they said that the right wing does it too. I mean, this is, this is classic. The alt-right, you know, Charlottesville. That was the right wing. That was the alt-right. Well, there's, there is no alt-right. The alt-right is the left, okay? Charlottesville was the left, was left-on-left violence, you know, just like Russia and Germany in World War II, left-on-left violence. So there is, as far as I know, because I've never heard of any, doesn't mean it doesn't exist, but, but, uh, but, the, but the conservatives, the patriots, the independents, having a, an accelerization theory to bring down the society that we support, you know, the, the, the ideal, you know, in other words, the, uh, uh, the idea of a constitutional republic or just a republic, the idea of supporting the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, individual rights and things like that, that, that more rights would somehow make us, would somehow bring down the system of rights is a contradiction. So, again, I challenge this and say uh, this is purely a left wing ideology. Accelerization to bring down the system, man, bring it all down, man, you know, riot, man, let's riot in the streets, man, Antifa, Black Lives Matter, you know, KKK, all the other Democrat organizations. This is, uh, this is what they do. So this is purely a left, but they, they want to drag, you know, conservatives, uh, patriots, and other folks, you know, on, on the right side politically uh, into the same, you know, place that they are. And here's where it gets really fun. So just, like I say, I got Shirley probably dropping in any second now. Let me just finish this last sentence. It says, however, the term has in a manner strongly distinguished from original accelerationist theorists, in other words, the left, okay, have been you know, being used by right-wing and left-wing extremists such as neo-fascist, neo-Nazis, white nationalists, and white supremacists. Well, all of those people are leftists. How many times have we talked about that? It says supremacists to increasingly refer to an acceleration of racial conflict through assassinations, murders, and terrorist attacks as a means to violently achieve a white ethno-state. See, this is what the, 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 the left wing is always blaming, you know, conservatives, patriots, MAGA folks, you know, for trying to create a, a white world, which is kind of crazy when you consider you know, all the different races that, uh, that believe in independence. See, uh, conservatives don't even think of people in terms of race. You know, do you believe in freedom or not? It's pretty simple. Do you believe in the Constitution or not? And there's some parts of the, the Constitution I would change. In other words, the power of Congress to borrow money, for example, I would take that away immediately. But the point is that you never hear, you know, folks on the, on the conservative end of the political spectrum um, talking about groups or a, a white ethno state. It's just the opposite. You know, we're the ones who are praising the fact that black employment and Hispanic employment were up during the Trump administration. So if, if, if the right really were a place of, of white wing racism, we'd be trying to suppress that kind of uh, employment and do everything possible to stop it. But then we'd be Democrats. See, the left are the people that want all their so-called minority groups, you know, kept away, kept poor. So they remain dependent. Let me just read that one sentence again. This is fascinating. Let's see if Shirley has a reaction. However, the term has, and this is accelerationism. Let me try that again. Accelerationism. It says, however, the term has in a manner strongly distinguished from original accelerationist theories been used by right-wing extremists, such as neo-fascists, neo-Nazis, white nationalists, and white supremacists. Again, those are all leftists. All right. To increasingly refer to an acceleration of racial conflict through assassinations, murders and terrorist attacks as a means to violently achieve a white ethno state. So that's projection at its worst, because all those folks, neo-fascists, neo-Nazis, white nationalists and white supremacists are all, all leftists because all their solutions require totalitarian government power. And that's how you can tell where something is, is on the conservative end of the spectrum or the Marxist end of the spectrum. Who, who implements the solution? If the solution requires, you know, a constitution, the Bill of Rights, and we leave each other alone and it's freedom, then you know it's a conservative or, a, a, you know, patriotic right-wing uh, kind of uh, on the right side. Politi- I hate the term right-wing on the right political spectrum. But 
if the solution involves any kind of totalitarian government control, you know right there, right there, that it is, in fact, uh, a, a leftist. And, of course, all your neo-fascists, neo-Nazis, neo-white you know, supremacists and all those folks, I mean, the, the Nazis were the greatest white supremacists of all time. You know that that's a leftist totalitarian. So once you get out of your head that, that uh, Nazis are, quote, right wing, because they just proved they're not, you know, then, uh, then everything else changes. All right, let me get Shirley's report. She's right here. Let's see if she has a reaction to that or anything else uh, as we go. And uh, let's get her, her theme, and I'll be right back. When one is faced with a crisis, you find your true character. How you react to such an emergency can determine the rest of your life. Two paths present themselves for you to choose. One leads to tragedy. The other leads to becoming a new person. Shirley Wattrell, a survivor of a dangerously abusive relationship, is that new person. She's the author of Heels to Holster. She is a firearms instructor, motivational speaker, women's empowerment advocate, and a reporter for Action Radio. So now, here is the DC Project Women and Guns with Shirley Wattrell. I am so glad you called. I was on a roll. I really needed a break for a minute. <laughs> Did you catch the last bit of my stuff? You, you were on a roll? Oh, yeah. Don't you I was, you I was, usually get on a roll, you know? That's just yeah, you. Yeah, because I'm awake an hour earlier for Friday. <laughs> so I, I start when I'm still half asleep. I'm thinking, I shouldn't start talking for another half hour. What's going on here? It just feels weird, that's all. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. we're glad you had your coffee then. I did. Well, I actually have tea. You know, coffee. I got a French press, but it takes too much work to use it. And I don't really have time. So, uh, I, so I'm still staring at it thinking, I really should get some coffee beans. I really should grind them up. I really should use my French press because the coffee is fantastic. But uh, that's like a Sunday well, thing. Yeah, you, know. you, can use, you can use your French press for your tea leaves, too. I use mine you for can? tea. You can? Really? How does that work? Yeah, just, well, just if you have tea leaves, you throw that in there, boiling hot water, let it steep. You know, press oh. it down. So, so these are yeah. these are like no tea bags. You're talking just like the, just the leaves itself. Just put them in there. Yeah, loose leaves. You know where you, yeah, yeah. Okay. Huh. Not, it's not fine. It's not so fine, but yeah. I mean, it holds yeah. it holds coffee ground. Huh. So I'm like, oh, I tea leaves and it works. So interesting. That's, I use You're that for that. Surprises. More than I don't. Have, yeah. I don't make coffee here. Hmm. I used to go to my coffee spot. <laughs> Well, yeah, it's funny. If so I want to get you and Dorothy on the show, we're gonna we're gonna do like a coffee shop hour, you know, we or, or like a food hour, you know, because well, I don't want to be serious all the time. I would, I'd rather just you know be great to go from serious Second Amendment gun conversations to uh, so what are you gonna get today? Is it the latte, the mocha, the uh, the ginger spiced or whatever, or was it pumpkin spice? You know, things like that. You know, so we we need Christmas coffee. We need like eggnog coffee. <laughs> Actually, the probably yeah. Have then you have then you. Have- then you have to have the yummy food to go with it, breakfast sandwiches or something, Danishes, yeah, homemade. Right. Oh, it's all good oh. stuff. This is a whole so show. Did you have a good Christmas? Oh, I did. Yeah, yeah I actually, uh, I ended up going to one party with a friend, but I spent most of my time working, which is my favorite thing to do on the holidays. I know that sounds weird. I'm unusual. I love my job. Uh, and so it's a, Christmas is a great time to get a whole bunch of things done because uh, everybody's doing other stuff. So this is great, but but you know every day to me is a holiday. I come, I, you know, I get on the radio show. It's like a holiday, you know. So I look at things in reverse. And the days I can't do action radio, those those are the working days. <laughs> you know, the Saturday and Sunday are my working days, my holiday, oh, wow. and I get to play. So it's my word is my world is, is strange, 
Very strange indeed, but uh, that's how I look at it. And you? Did you have a I fun guess, time? I guess that fits, that fits the definition. If it, How's it go? If you love your job, it's never work or something like that. Uh-huh. Or I'm just a workaholic <laughs> and I don't know it. It's <laughs> saying something like that. Yeah, no, it says you oh, love your love, job, love you'll never job work a day in your life. You'll never have to work a day in your life. That's what it there is. There we go. Something like yeah. that. Exactly. Yeah, I have a very nice Christmas. I, yeah, I always go to over to my friends and share it with her family. So that's always fun. cool. Yeah, yeah, I used to do it's that. Food had lasagna. Lasagna for Christmas. Yeah, that's fabulous. I got tired of doing turkeys and hams. But I guess that's a thing for Italians. Because I talk to other people and they go, "Oh yeah, we have that." I'm like, "Oh, didn't know that." My son, Merry Christmas. Come on in for the lasagna. Sit down. We got the pasta. We got the antipasto. Come on, sit down. We have a great time. Yeah, that'd be wonderful. Well, you yeah. know, in San Francisco, do you know what they have in San Francisco for, for Thanksgiving and Christmas? Clam chowder? You, you're close. Actually, clam <laughs> no. chowder is a New England dish. And then uh, the Manhattan folks screwed no, up a little tomato sauce. No, clam chowder is big. San Francisco, what, I West love clam chowder. Yeah, but it's, it's, yeah, it's, a, New England, it in, it's a New England dish. Oh, well, no. okay. So what okay. do they have? Dungeness crab. In fact, I have friends oh, of mine okay. on Fisherman's Wharf, and I'll give them a, a shameless plug, the Elioto Lazio Fish Company. I think the third generation, there's a couple of women who run it. Uh, they're friends of mine. In fact, they used to be part of my tour when I, I drove these motorized cable cars uh, around San Francisco, and we'd stop off at the Elioto Lazio Fish Company on Fisherman's Wharf, and uh, Angela would walk in carrying a Dungeness crab with the claws out and the whole bit, and we'd walk by the passengers, here's Dungeness crab, you know, it'd be like staring at people. Oh, it's hysterical. And she just brought one right on to uh, the cable car. So yeah, they're friends of mine. So they they will ship. Uh, In fact, um, I actually talked to them, you know, uh, certainly uh, later on, um, get them on the show for the holidays because they ship, you know, nationwide. So you can get Dungeness crab, you can get it cooked, you can get it, you know, you know, still living if you want to drop it into the boiling pot yourself, something I've never been a particular fan of, um, but that's how it's done. So, you know, um, but, uh, but the Dungeness crabs, very carefully managed, very, California's really good about it. And so they have plenty of Dungeness crab out there. And so that's the tradition. So all the old San Francisco families line up outside their house, you know, at uh, Thanksgiving and Christmas to get their, their fresh Dungeness crab. And so right off the boat, which is nearby there too. So, yeah, kind of cool. Hmm. Okay. Anyway, well, what you got? Yeah, well, what do I have? Well, let's get started for somebody, anybody that doesn't know who DC Project is. I am the Florida State Director for DC Project. We are a nationwide group of women defending our Second Amendment. We base our 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 motto is education is the key to safety. We meet with our legislators, both federal and state, educate them about the women that are defending the Second Amendment, and we are a grassroots group. So we do all our own fundraising, and all that money goes to our trips to the White House to meet with legislators or to state capitals to meet with legislators there. And just to give you an update on the events coming up in Daytona in January of 2023. It's kind of odd to say that, isn't it? For the whole week of January 23rd, we will be there. I have a vendor table at the Daytona Rolex 24-hour Sports car endurance race. That's something That's like they've never done. So. That sounds like Le Mans, you know, the French race where they, they, uh, Steve McQueen made a movie about this years ago. And I think it's a 24-hour race. So, uh, and so they go around, is it a single track? I've never understood that myself, but is it like an oval track? Daytona? I believe so. I've never, 
I've, yes, Daytona is. I've, I've gone to the NASCAR races. I know nothing about this event. This is our first year there, so it'll be kind of interesting to see the type of people we meet and who we can chat with uh, about our Second Amendment and about DC Project and get them involved. Oh, this is, it's a women's well, is, group, is, so we're always looking for women yeah, to join. Yeah, yeah. I don't mean to cut you off there. Uh, if I, we, we need to say that a few more times, too. It's a women's gun group, and it's, it's fabulous. I love this group. Let's, let's, uh, let's, let's get you a round of applause here once again. But what I was thinking is this is on a uh, – what day? Is it a Saturday or Friday? Is it a weekend? When is the event? Or is it a one-day, 24th? The actual event, I think, is like Saturday and Sunday, but it's a whole week. We are there the whole week. There's a like, week Ooh. of activities, I, from what I understand. Can, can uh, yeah, we were invited in? there. So. Can you call in from there, uh, maybe with guests? I don't know. I'll have to see how what it's like. Oh, when it starts, I, I, I don't know. Like I said, it's going to be, it's an, one of those where you just kind of show up and you see, figure it out as you go. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, you know, if the, op- the option is always there. I mean, you can always, I, I love people calling yeah. in from different places, you know, so wherever you can, if you can't, it's, it's, it's it, you know, obviously you're busy. That's fine. We'll just catch up the next time. Uh, next time you can call in and we'll, we'll get what's going on. But I love unseen location stuff. We have like, like Josie and Jonathan called in from January 6th from the Capitol. I mean, they're right there. We've got that uh, yeah. on podcast, what, what, what really was going on um, from eyewitnesses in real time, as they say. So anytime you can be at an event or, uh, you know, next time I go to CPAC or something like that, I'll be probably, uh, you know, we'll have a guest host and I'll be calling in, you know, all the time with all kinds of different people. Hey, look who I found. You know, here's Donald yeah, Trump. He wants to talk cool. to you. Oh, thanks, Mr. President. That'll happen one day. Stand by. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so there we got that. And then March 11th, uh, we have an event here in Naples called Clays for Freedom. It's a sporting clay event, raising money for DC Project, and I'm looking for sponsors as well as participants. So if you're interested in that, you can get a hold of me. You can call my work number, which is 941-677-3377. And so that's our update right now on our events that we have. We are going to be at SHOT Show, but we're not going to be set up as a table there. But we will be there making our rounds. When's that? SHOT Show is where all the the different gun accessories and firearms industry meet and show you their new products. And it's like one of the biggest shows in the firearm industry. I was wondering when it was. When when did did that occur? Yeah, that's okay. Uh, January. Let's see. Hold on one second, and I will tell you, January 16th through the 20th. Okay, yeah, so it's too late for this year, but I'm thinking I'd love to be at one of those sometime. Um, now, does DC Project have a table, or you, you don't have a table, you're just going to be there participating, right? Right, we don't have a table. We just walk around and, and introduce ourselves to the people in the firearms industry, stuff okay. like that. Do they have a um, but, do they have a media row by chance, or do they have a place where people can broadcast from the shot show, like CPAC does? Yeah, they do. Have, they do. They do have media row. Yep. Ooh. Yep. Okay. Oh, that reminds me. I need to get my stuff together for media row. Yeah. Um, yeah. They do have. They do have a media row. I don't know what it takes to get in there, um, but yeah. I think there's. What do I have to sleep there. with? No, I'm just kidding. All right, we're going to change that subject right now. Uh, every, every Tuesday right. on my post on Facebook, 
I do what's called Teal for Two A, and it's a story about how someone used their firearm to save lives. You always hear about, and um, so these are stories of people that have saved lives by using the firearm that they're carrying or in their home. And this one takes place in Arizona, Tucson, Arizona. And it takes place at a bar on the west side on a Sunday. And initially it was reported as a bar site. Um, but the owner, Mark Rudy, said it was a much different situation that could have been, been much worse. Uh, he wasn't there at the time, but he says the act, it could have been it was an active shooter situation stopped short by a heroic customer with a gun. It's always good to hear that, you know, people are out there defending the lives of innocent. So Rudy was not at, uh, at work at the time, but his staff's account of what happened. A man in the bar began hurling racial slurs and talking about violence. The staff was able to get the man to leave about an hour or so later. And just after 6 p.m. on the Sunday, the man returned with a rifle and fired a shot into the ceiling. Um, everybody heard that, and a panic came on, so he came around and was moving the gun on the people. Then two customers stepped in to try and convince the man to drop the weapon. One of those customers was armed with a gun of their own. He then said, drop your gun to the bad guy three times, and that guy he wouldn't. And he leveled it right at the guy, and our customer shot him. Apparently, it was three times. The man with the rifle was critically injured, taken to the hospital. <clears throat> Sorry about that. I must have okay. need to drink more water or something. <laughs> it's my um, radio. It happens. Yeah, yeah. Feel free. That's why I have a mute button, you know, which I, I can't occasionally uh, have to use. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I I, yeah, I thought I hit it, and of course I didn't. And then when I think <laughs> I hit it, I don't. But anyway, back to the story. That's um, a live radio, yeah. Let's see. He, the... the Rudy said he doesn't encourage people to bring guns into his business, but he said he's thankful the customer was there. That's interesting. Uh, let's see. Well, wait a minute. Scroll down. Wait a minute. That's that's fascinating. I know. So you know, don't you know, don't bring a gun in here. But uh, if you do, we need it. <laughs> that's crazy. That's like being politically correct hey, hey. and uh, and you know sensible and uh, at the same time, you know, save my life if I need you to save my life. But uh, you know. But don't. But we're not going to have that be a thing. That's fascinating. But you know okay. what? I'm going to add that that was not a quote in the article. So I don't know if the media could misinterpret things. You know how they do that. Oh, so it yes. Wasn't a, it wasn't a quote. It was a statement made by the reporter. So, mm-hmm. and I'm learning that in the media, when you're reading articles, you kind of take it with a grain of salt. And mm-hmm. if things don't seem, they have, it's not a quote. It might be a distortion of what the guy said. Um, but he did say he was a hero, and I appreciate what he did because he saved other customers and our employees. Um, hmm. it was, yes, it was an unfortunate situation, but he did good. So he's complimenting the guy. So it's kind of interesting how that one statement got snuck in there. Well, um, no, they have to. They've they got to put their propaganda in. It, it's like, you know, when somebody is, uh, um, they defend their life with a firearm, uh, and they're they're convicted of, uh, or they're charged with, you know, carrying a gun illegally. You know, but, but using that gun to save their life was legal. So in other words, th- there's an inherent contradiction in law. And they do that all the time, especially in California. Exactly, exactly. And... Oh. So that, that's our Teal for 2A story. Um, they, they're still an ongoing investigation from the police department. 
But if you check out the website or you go to uh, Action Gun Group, you'll see that post there. I, I've tried to remember to post it there every Tuesday. If not, yeah, no, I really appreciate you posting there, too. So there. that's the Action Radio Gun Group. It's on Facebook. Uh, and it's one of our, I think, 22 groups at this particular point. i got Pianchi on the line. I want to get to him in just a second. But I want to ask you a question first. Uh, has there ever been a study of how many people that have concealed carry permits carry and how much they carry? Um, so, and then women. Is, it, is there a breakdown for how many women with concealed? Now, the places where it's constitutional carry, you can't measure that because the, 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 they're not tracking it at all. But, uh, well, actually, you could do that, too. How many people carry in a constitution carry state? But is there any study that you know of? That, or have you looked into that, uh, either at the state or the national level, how many people who have carry permits use them? I'm just curious. Use if they carry? Uh, no, I don't. I don't know if there is one. But mm-hmm. me personally, if someone came up and was taking a poll and wanted to know if I was carrying, I would say it's really none of your business. Um, it's kind of a private thing that I don't think that people advertise that they carry. So I don't know if you really get an accurate number, even if there was a poll, because I think a lot of people would, would, would probably not even comment on that. That's just my No, it has to be a private study my- just for that reason, because why would you let people know? You know, but um, yeah, I'm just curious. Let me let's see what's... Uh, Pianchi has a question for you here, so hang on a second. Let me bring him live. Pianchi, got a question or comment for for Shirley? Yeah, Happy New Year, DC. (laughs) Thank you. Happy New Year to you, too. You going to go out and party? No, no. I'm beyond that stage of life. He's a curmudgeon. (laughs) No, but the good report that you give. And, uh, you know, going to D.C., having a lobby with politicians, technically it shouldn't have to be. I mean, kind of ridiculous. But, you know, one thing you might want to add to your repertoire is that uh, your gun holders, your holsters, there's a – I've been watching and seeing videos of criminals running up, snatching guns out of people's uh, holsters and that. It needs to either be a way – to deter that, or then this is another reason why you should carry two. When they snatch one and run, then you have the other one there to, uh, you know, to impose some, you don't do that on them. What do you think? Yeah, um, yeah, having a backup is always, <laughs> always good to have a backup in any type of situation in your life. But also, if you're at open carry, there's also holsters, don't, don't forget, that do have a locking mechanism, which makes it harder for anyone to just come up and grab. But it's, if you practice with it when you draw, it becomes like one smooth motion, one smooth motion when you, when you draw. So there's locking devices as well. And I don't really know how often someone actually is able to get the firearm off of a legally someone that's carrying a firearm but and a bad guy. But, um, yeah, just to maybe look at different holsters that have locking mechanisms in them. Now, are those available? Yeah, Greg, the there needs to be a law. There needs to be okay. a law, Greg, that when someone does do that, that they're looking at a very stiff penalty. Thank you. Well, we we could do an enhancement for that, but it's, it's still basically stealing. Now, I don't know if there's a crime, Shirley. This is, this is, this is a good point. Is there a crime against stealing a deadly weapon? Is that part of a, an assault with a deadly weapon by stealing somebody else's weapon? Is that included in law? It might be an interesting thing to look into. And even whatever the law is, we just need to 
to get back to where criminals are prosecuted and held accountable and not yeah. just released on minimal bonds or, or no sentences and, and then go out and commit the crime again and do it all over again. It's like Groundhog Day for criminals, it seems, these days. Because <laughs> when people get arrested, they have multiple, multiple uh, you know, crimes against themselves, against people. So That's anyway. a great line, by the way. It's Groundhog Day for criminals. you got to keep that one. Um, but I'm just <laughs> – <laughs> it really is. That was funny. Uh, but I'm, I'm just wondering, uh, based on what Bianca is saying, too, that is there – you know, when we're talking about retention holsters, that are they as available to us regular people as police? Or are there oh, any oh, yeah, restrictions? Definitely. Okay. So where no, would one can, get a retention you holster? You can buy them. Because even when you're competing, uh, like uh-huh. when I was in competitions for three guns, if your firearm falls out while you're running from one stage to another, you're, you're disqualified. So you can get retention on, on your holster. I mean, I actually, mine was not a really good form of retention, and I was running through a field and fell, and the firearm fell out, so I was disqualified. So the next day I got a new holster. With a better yeah, retention yeah. on it. So there you go. Yeah. So but they have like the clips that go over the top of the gun and just have like a like a clip that you would have on a pair of pants, for example, that that, that stud clip thing. Um, it, would that count as a retention, or do you really have some kind of locking device where, with the police holsters, you have to like rock it back and forth or something like that to uh, to draw it? Or I guess yeah, they're just different those levels. That have the have the yeah, there's the have the lock on the top, and you have to push it down, and then there's another lock that you push with your thumb as you draw out. So okay. that's that's I don't have the top portion, but I just have the one that has the you have to push a button to get it to to release. So there's there's different ones, and I know you know if you look at the law enforcement, they have the one that covers over as well. So the, there's different levels yeah. of retention. Yeah, I had a um, thing in customs where you have to you, you just flip a, a, a the the cover over it. And once you you flip the, the the top barrier over, then it's able to be drawn. Pianki, you had a point. Well, yeah, those all sound very good, but this is a problem, and uh, there needs to be some type of deterrent in order to where it can come to an end and not be uh, used. You know, person, it's still a gun. It's just if you went to the Army Depot and stole a bazooka, well, is that just like stealing a community bar from a store? Well, still stealing. <laughs> but then it depends if you use the bazooka or not, because that would come under a different, I think, area of law. But I want to get back to the holster for a second. This is interesting. That uh, as we get more states with, uh, surely you've noticed this, as more states become constitutional, in other words, legal, uh, what they always should have been, are, are you finding that people that carry open uh, or openly are using more retention holsters? I would. Well, yeah, but also remember, constitutional carry does not mean it's open carry. Those are two different things. Okay. Tell me the difference. Well, I, I believe um, just because your state is constitutional carry does not mean you can open carry. See, that doesn't make open sense. Open carry is where you're... Yeah, that well, doesn't make on, sense. Because if you have I a right to keep to... and bear, to, 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 you know, in other words, own and carry... The method of carry is your choice. That's that's what constitutional is, where you where you have the freedom. It's your choice. If it, if they infringe, if it, like the Florida does, you know, where it says you know you have the right to keep and bear arms, but we'll tell you how you can bear them. Well, that's a that's a contradiction. That's not legal. Yet it's in the Florida Constitution. Shirley. What what I, 
constitutional carry, my understanding of it, unless it states that it's also open carry, means that you do not have to go to classes or get a permit to carry. But it has no, to be specified, I, I, I believe. I believe it has to be specified that you can open carry in that bill. Yeah, but that wouldn't be Might constitutional be cool, then. I, I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure we, we have this discussion. Isn't this time for Jim to call in? Pretty... <laughs> <laughs> really, yeah, exactly. Perfect yeah. timing. Yeah, um, I miss him on the show. Yeah, yeah he, he was fabulous, yeah. Um, so hopefully we'll find somebody... You know, I don't think we'll find somebody as good, but uh, we'll, we'll get somebody pretty decent in here um, to take the, the second half of our gun hour here on Fridays. But I... I think that uh, that's not quite the way it goes, because if it's constitutional, that means then the Constitution fully applies, not partially. And so when the Constitution says the right of the people to keep and bear arms, in other words, own and carry firearms, shall not be infringed, it means you can't infringe in any way on the way that people carry their arms. Not that they can just have them, but they can carry them. And that does so it wouldn't make sense to say, okay, we have open, we have constitutional carry, but we're going to infringe on this particular part of it and limit how you can carry and specify that by law because that that is an inherent contradiction. That's how I read. It. What do you think? Okay, well here I'll just give you this little little blurb here, and um, I just ah, looked it up. Do. Constitutional carry the same as open carry? No, although there is an overlap. A quick primer, open carry means you can publicly carry a legally owned firearm that is kept in plain sight or partially concealed, usually holstered. So, usually, that definitely. <laughs> now, let me tell you what it is in Missouri. In Missouri, you don't need a concealed carry license to carry concealed. You, right out the womb, you can put one in your diaper and, and carry concealed without any license. If you got a license to conceal that you went through the, through the uh, program and everything, the safety course, which is eight hours, then you can open carry all you want. So the two are, are, are basically different. Each state, yeah, see, I, I disagree. That, that's, that's, not, that's not the right definition. That, whoever wrote, who wrote that article? Where'd you, where, I'm curious your source because I don't agree with it. No, that's you. No, that's USCCA, and I believe it's actually in the bill whether you can open carry when it's a constitutional carry state. Anyway, that could be, yeah, that um, I do need to but keep like Greg to says, Like Greg says, you should, you should be able to take your gun out and walk and travel with it however you want to. You need to have a permit to open carry. That's the problem right now is that uh, every little freedom that you have, uh, someone has to come up with some defining uh, moment to it on how you go about exercising that freedom. And really, the Second Amendment shouldn't even be debatable. It should be just what it says. That's how I read it. Exactly. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm not arguing that point, but mm-hmm. uh, I believe it depends on the state and the bill that they pass. But uh, one thing I want to want to hit on real quick, I know mm-hmm. we wanted to um, talk a little bit about the, the CDC and how they're not uh, keeping statistics on how firearms save lives anymore due to pressure by the anti-gun groups. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that that was because we use that. What that tells me, anyway, that um, the the pro firearms industry, that, like we do as a group, we talk about statistics. We actually use statistics, and we would use CDC statistics. Apparently, it's making a difference because it's it's 
not they can't they can't back their information and they don't like what we're providing so now they want to take it off off the book <laughs> so we can't use it apparently so um, but I do want That's to add it's one effective. quick thing. Huh? What's that? It means we're That's being effective. effective. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Um, but before I, I do go, I did want to touch base on something that, that's um, very important during the holidays. Because during the holidays, I don't know if you might not know this, but domestic abuse goes increases dramatically um, during this time because for, di- for different reasons. Um, could be finances, all the holiday shopping, the planning, and the parties. And for anyone that's got a volatile personality, it kind of triggers them and they become more violent. Also, um, drugs and alcohol get more involved because people don't have to go to work. And you're spending more time with your abuser because they are off, off work. So during the holidays, they do see a spike in calls. Now, when I say calls, I mean calls to the National Hotline for Domestic Violence. The calls do go up. And uh, just to give you an idea, uh, let's say, let's see, what did we just come out of Christmas? Christmas Day. On the average, Steve, on a typical day, which, what was Christmas? Saturday? Sunday. No, Sunday. Last Sunday. Uh, New Year's this Sunday. There was, yeah, so 751 calls come in. This is... This isn't to law enforcement. This is to the National Hotline for Domestic Violence. Just on that day, 374 calls came in. Uh, New Year's Eve, uh, 751 is the average. And for New Year's Eve, the actual day, 569 came in last year. So you can see that the numbers are pretty crazy. But if anyone is in a situation, I would like to give this number out. If anyone is in a situation um, and they're being abused, domestic violence, you can call the National Hotline for Domestic Violence, which is 800-799-7233. That's 800-799-7233. And, uh, you should post that in the gun group, too, if you can if you make a post on that and put it in nice big bold letters so everybody can see it. That would be a good thing. Oh, the, the, the uh-huh. hotline number? Yep. Okay, I could do that. Um, Thank you. But yeah, that's 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 something that you know. Uh, I am a survivor of domestic violence, and I, so it's kind of important that I get that information out. I should have done that a couple weeks ago since we already passed Christmas. Thing that I don't know that everybody understands or thinks about, and um, maybe someday we'll we'll get into what you can look for in a victim with their how they act that might trigger you to think that they might be in a situation where they need some help, even though they don't ask for it directly. Um, so, and I also have written a book called Heels to Holster, which I, uh, I talk about my, my uh, abuser and how that all happened. And, but I also talk about how I got my life back and became a survivor. And that was exercising my second amendment rights. Um, that basically changed my life, gave me the, self-esteem and um, just helped me be a more outgoing person and knowing that I could defend and protect myself was very important. So that's one reason I'm such an advocate for the Second Amendment and a part of DC Project. 
Yeah. Wow, I just railed always, on a whole lot in a very little bit of time, didn't I? I'm getting no, you, you, Greg. <laughs> you did really well. But you're always welcome to do a show on your book. We can schedule a separate hour for that. You know, we can do it in a series on, on uh, maybe some Friday reports. You're always welcome to bring on guests, uh, survivors of domestic violence, and, and uh, psychologists. Let's look for these signs. And you can give that number every week, you know, the domestic violence hotline. Feel free. So uh, be an advocate oh, here. Yeah. Yeah. Fine with me. Yeah. But, but, and that, that's another thing I will add that a lot of the, the women that participate or are a member of DC Project, and there's no membership fee, by the way, um, do have their own personal stories. It might not be anything to do with domestic violence. could be any other, you know, situation that they survived. Um, so, and then they become advocates for the Second Amendment. We also have some women that hated firearms, did not, want, did not think anyone should own one. And situations changed, and now they are advocates for the Second Amendment and our state directors. So They're probably your you know, strongest advocates, I'll bet. People, usually people that have exactly. a, a, stream, a, a very strong view, either one way or the other, you know, when they flip, they flip big time. You know, it's like uh, the, the woman that's the, the strongest uh, pro-life advocate in the country today, I think, used to work in an abortion clinic. And once she saw what went on, she's like, nope, this is wrong. You know, I'm not, you know, and now she's completely turned around. Uh, and so this, this makes sense. You know, a lot of folks, when they uh, – uh, who is this? Someone else There's a famous like, uh, guy that was uh, um, raised in a, basically a Marxist family. Now he's is like the, the chief writer of the Federalist and the, or the, the, the front page or the – I forgot what it is. Anyway, Horowitz. Horowitz. There, really? What's his name? Horowitz. Yeah. Yeah, he was, he was a, as uh, Michael Savage would call him, a red diaper doper baby. You he's raised by communists, you know, from birth. And then just one day went, nope, <laughs> this is wrong. You know, I mean, I was raised in a, in a gun hating family, you, you know, it was, you know, with mommy dearest, you couldn't even mention the word gun. you know, even though I played with cap guns as a kid, I'm thinking, well, let me get a real one. This, this looks like fun. Nope. <laughs> you know, it's just, everything is anti-gun, you know, it's like pro-abortion, anti-gun. That's, that's the house I grew up in, you know, Marxist, ultra feminist, the whole bit. So when I, when I, you know, finally, uh, you know, made my own political decisions and said, this is ridiculous. I don't, I believe in freedom. Sorry. Uh, that's probably why I'm such a strong advocate for freedom, having grown up in just the opposite. So I think that actually says something, you know, when you, when you make that decision, you know, well, you from know, one extreme to another. Yeah. Piaki? They even put the limitation on the length of a blade you can have on a knife. How about a crossbow? There's some <laughs> gentlemen in the St. Louis area that walk around downtown uh, open carrying, and one of them has a crossbow. It's a weapon. Yeah, and this doesn't make it, and then, and you really want to see something. You know uh-huh. how the state of Illinois, or Illinois, is anti-gun, but you can ride a motorcycle on the highway without a helmet in Illinois. Well, see, but that doesn't affect anybody else unless you bring into the argument that all our, our health insurance goes up, you know, and we all have to pay for somebody's brain injury. But uh, it's, 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 it's interesting, but it's a different kind of thing. You know, see, I, I think they would argue that. But, uh, yeah, no, it's a good point. It's a, but I think, isn't Illinois a, a shall-issue state now? Shirley, do you know? I think they are. Chicago isn't. Uh, what, no, what they they not, no, they not a shall-issue. Uh, uh, Illinois, you have to do 16 hours for a gun safety course rather than right. eight hours in Missouri. And uh, you still have to go through these processes. If you have a bullet in your pocket, they have what's called a FOID, Federal uh, Firearms Owner Identification Card. If you have a bullet in your pocket and the police stop you, you better have have a authorization to have a weapon 
that that bullet fits. Like if you got a forty five caliber bullet in your pocket, well the weapon that you authorized to have should be a forty five caliber and not a thirty eight. Why would you walk around with a bullet in your pocket? Well, what's wrong with having a bullet in your pocket? I don't know. It's just an interesting example. That's not one I've ever would have thought of. Uh, People walk around with marbles in their pocket. Well, yeah, but they walk around with a marble in your pocket. Yeah, but they don't have a caliber. Yeah, I mean, well, I see what you're saying. Okay, I'm just saying you don't use a marble unless you unless you're having a a, a, an old musket, (laughs) you know, firing marbles. It's kind of an interesting thought, actually. Yes, but okay. Let me go ahead, Shirley. Let me throw this. Having a a, a bullet in your pocket, but think about Uh this: How many times have you gone to range and picked up something, put in your pocket, and then you forget about it and walking down the street, and all of a sudden there you go, bang! You got a you don't have a firearm with you because it's illegal, but you forgot that you picked up a a a round of ammunition and put it in your pocket because it fell out, you know, fell out of a box or something. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I've had uh, rounds drop into a bag, my my range bag. And say, How'd that get there? <laughs> I don't want to walk around with a loose bullet. Right. They end up in the washing machine, you know. Machine, yeah. you know? <laughs> I haven't had that happen. So, do do you wash your ammo? Or have you washed your ammo? <laughs> the ones that are left in my pocket come out pretty clean. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what I'm wondering. Does does the brass shine? Oh, it can be pretty shiny. <laughs> Makes a lot of noise when it's going around too. It's like crap. I believe it. Like, What's a that? Quarter in there. Is that a coin? No, that's a bullet. I left a bullet in my pocket. Oh, what you, I'm washing my ammo. This could be really great. I could do a parody on this. And now Action Radio's bullet wash. Yes, when you wash your ammo in your pocket, be sure you have Action Radio's bullet wash. Make shiny ammo. Bring out the brass. <laughs> Bring out the brass to its luster. I'm sorry, I'm just digressing. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Okay. Um, CDC, though, was a big problem because remember the CDC used to, uh, they said several years ago, this was during the Obama, uh, I will say administration, he actually was elected, even though I don't think he was eligible to run. Um, but they, they were wanting to, to make gun ownership a mental issue. They said that anybody that wants to own a gun is de facto mentally unstable because why would anybody want a gun? Um, but that was their logic back then. And now they're moving on to uh, you know, just changing the data. So in other words, the, the data the left doesn't like, they just want to obliterate. So it's quite fast. Like CDC has a long you know, history uh, of, of things up. I see where she likes to have stories of how guns save people's lives. Well, we can go all the way back to the time that the Transcontinental Railroad went across the country. And when robbers tried to rob the train, you had people on the train would take their guns out and start shooting out the window. So let's go back. You have a whole dictionary of uh, stories. Well, actually, that's an interesting point. Um, Surely, have, have we looked into carrying on various forms of transportation? Like if you have a concealed carry permit and you're in Florida and you're on Amtrak, can you carry your gun on Amtrak? Or is that a federal Department of Transportation thing? In case the train is dropped, which can happen at any train station, you know, hordes of, of shoplifters might run on and want to start shoplifting people in the station. Do you know about that? I, I mean, I was kind of surprised. Okay. Just curious. Missouri. In Missouri, you can carry on a light rail. It got so bad with people being robbed, the legislators say you can carry. But couldn't you always, though? What, what would be the strictures on light rail or subways or any place? No, any, they any wouldn't let you. Uh, really? No drinks, no cigarettes, no guns at one time. But if it's legal to carry, how can they stop you? I mean, the whole it's, – it's interesting that – and surely you're coming on this too – that every time they create a gun-free zone, they, they create a bunch of targets. 
because nobody goes after people in a place where everybody's carrying a gun. You know, so, so to do that, you're, just, you're, you're creating victims unnecessarily. Well, it's always unnecessary. But why would you make a subway a place or, or any kind of uh, public – if it's public transportation, it should be a public accommodation. You should be able to exercise all the laws you can exercise in the rest of it in public. And that would include carrying your gun. Yeah, and if you uh, if you in a in a place that has a sign outside gun free zone and you get robbed, then you need to sue that proprietor for making a for creating a condition that's typically unsafe for you where you can't defend yourself. Sue them. Yeah. Well, let me ask Shirley a question on this because uh, there's a new bank in town. I'm not going to mention who they are, but they have they've they've merged a couple of other banks because banks keep changing ownership all the time. Um, but it, on the front of it, it says no firearms allowed on the property, and this is in Florida. Florida is a concealed carry state. You know, banks don't prohibit you from, from, from carrying, but this particular one seems to think they can. Uh, Walmart has a sign on there that says no open carry. Well, open carry in Florida is against the law, so it's kind of easy to comply with that, even though the law itself is unconstitutional. But how much discretion do companies have in taking away your rights? I mean, why can't I go into this bank? You know, I don't have an account there, but it, why can't I walk into that bank, you know, carrying a concealed firearm, something I can do, you know, right outside the bank? What, what gives them a right to take away your right, uh, especially in terms of public accommodation in the world where cake, take, cake decorators are forced to make gay wedding cakes? How can these people say that I can't bring a firearm onto their property in a state that allows it? Shirley? As far as I, as far as I know, I, I believe that has to do with uh, private property. If it's private property, you can, you can post it. As, uh, you can't carry in that in that facility. But there, well, here's the, here's the question. Then. Do you have do you have much time, or do you have to go? Because we might want to take this up next week. No, I, I'm gonna have to get going. Um, okay. Yeah. Well, let's 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 think, make a note if you can. Let's let's talk about this next week. The how can you know? Because if private property, if a restaurant in the South said that, uh, well, this is private property. We're not gonna have black people dine here. I mean, this is my property. I can do that. So you can have civil rights outside my diner, but you can't have or civil rights inside my Christian. diner. There you go. So what's the or, difference between or the if you're a Christian style? like the uh, like the one in uh, what was that the Virginia said that yeah, you're Christian you can't come in because my employees are LGBTQ and they feel unsafe around you. Yeah, I feel unsafe without my gun, even in a bank. Why why can't I bring my gun to a bank? So I'm curious about that private property versus public accommodation. That might be a uh, if you get a chance to look into that, I'd be curious. And let's get your your closing, which you do so well, and we'll we'll pick it up next week. All right. Uh, well, <laughs> like I said earlier, <laughs> uh, DC Project, if you're interested in uh, helping us out, we, we do take donations as well as we're I'm always or every state is looking for women to participate. And if you're interested, you can go to dcproject.info. Uh, there are times when we do have fi- uh, drawings for firearms, so you can see that in the shop area of the, the, the website as well. If you have any questions about any of the fundraisers I talked about, with whether it was the Clays for Freedom here in Naples or anything else, you can call my work number, 941-677-3377. If you're interested in getting purchasing my book, Heels to Holster, you can go to Amazon to get that. And let's see, I believe that is everything. So this is Shirley closing my report for Action Radio. Have a wonderful weekend and a very, very safe and happy new year. And don't shoot your guns into the air. Let's <laughs> just make a note on that, too. Exactly. Don't shoot your guns in the air. Don't shoot your guns in the air. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, shoot Thank in you, the Sean. ground and bust a gas pipeline. <laughs> 
that was Pianchi. Not, uh, you know, <laughs> the station does not endorse the following statement of shooting guns into the ground to affect uh, the gas or, or water pipelines. Anyway, talk to you next week, Shirley. Thank you. <laughs> right. Bye-bye. Bye now. All right. Let's take a little break here. And we've got uh, – this is But, fun. you know, uh, before Pianchi. you go on break, sure. if you're in a – if a bank won't – a bank say you can't bring your gun in, Okay. Mm-hmm. And when you come out, you take out your withdrawals, you go outside and you rob, then I would sue the bank. People should yeah, sue sense. the bank. Well, see, I don't think that's legal. Sue $4 million. Of course, I don't think uh, blocking anybody from carrying a gun is, is legal. In fact, it's, it's blatantly unconstitutional. But isn't that the same thing? It's, you know, if a restaurant, you know, restaurants can't ban Christians. You know, the segregated South couldn't ban black people. You know, the, uh, the banning a gun, guns, not only is it a constitutional right, it's a civil right. You know, in other words, they're discriminating against gun owners as a group. Yes, yeah, absolutely right. Prejudice, it's all a bunch of pretensions there. Yeah, a bunch of prejudiced bigots. So why do they have this bigotry? Why do they have this prejudice against gun owners? You know, engaged in a legal, lawful, you know constitutionally is, protected activity. Go ahead. You know what it is? Is because then it leaves politicians open to lobbyists who will give donations to their campaign. That's why it's like that. Anytime that they can take any right and make it into an issue that will require people to come to them begging and pleading, and you will say, well, you know, I need some campaign money in order to help. Well, that's why it's like that. They would take I, all your liberties and put them on on put them on trial in that particular manner. If you want to protect this liberty, you need to donate to my campaign. Uh, then you get uh, form bigger organizations like the NRA, where your donation gets up into tens of thousands. No, I'm just writing something down as you're talking. It's actually this is a good point. Uh, all right, so what I'm thinking of here is what we you need. That's a good live... trait you have. What's that? You take notes. I take a lot of notes. I've got, I've got one, two, three, four. I've got five books of notes. <laughs> you just, so I do more than that's I a good like thing. Subject I notebook. Keep my grandson that. At the airplace oh, yeah. you go, you take your notebook and your pencil. Mm-hmm. Write down. Well, a lot of notes. Are, well, there's several places I take notes. I take notes on the. So I have a, I have a template for every show, and I have it organized into sections. So I, you know, right now I can just tell you right now I've got. Uh, let's go back to the top here. I've got the date. I've got a couple of sayings here. I've got my opening, which I never use. I've got the weekly schedule. Uh, I've got my announcement section. I've got my opening comments, main show topic, advertising schedule. I've got guests. I've got my Facebook and Twitter comments. I've got my Write Your Laws bills. I've got sponsors, closing lines, promotional stuff. Uh, I've got my schedule of reporters. Every day is broken down my phone number uh, for all the, all the regular reporters. I've got a section on regular callers, great guests. Yeah, it's all there. So what I do is the template is there. So what I do is I fill in those sections, and I've recorded every one since day one. So I have all my shows. I know exactly what I did every show back to the beginning because it's all That's on the template. That's a great habit you have. Continue. Well, thank you. Yeah, well, I'm going to do that. And I also keep the phone numbers of everybody that calls in. Now, nobody gets that list. That's <laughs> all private. It's all confidential. But the thing is, I know when someone's called in, like that uh, caller the other day. You know, and so I, I, that's why you'll see me hesitating before taking a call. I'm checking the number. Have they called in again? Is this a decent person? Um, or is it a new call? And if it's a new call, chance I'm not going to do it. But we, I do have you know, call screening in the works. And so we're going to do that. But uh, it's, it's weird. It's like I don't need it until we're busy. But once we're busy, I'm going to really need it right then. <laughs> you know, whatever big event kicks us off. But I've got notebooks that I write stuff. I've got stuff that I take notes usually before the show on my template. And so there's a lot of stuff I'm flipping through every day. And people don't realize. And I've got the live chat I look through. 
We've got a couple of people in live chat that haven't made a comment yet. But uh, this is this is a you know this is why occasionally I'll, I'll lapse and, and not hear I have to ask people to repeat things. It's not that I'm not listening. I'm, I'm doing any number of other things here. But you mentioned something. You were just talking about um, the exception of suing people, and I said I, I came up with this idea: liability immunity for companies where customers are exercising constitutional rights. See, I think it's liability is the problem. I think the reason this bank doesn't want people carrying guns is they don't want if something happens they don't want the lawsuits. So they're putting lawsuits, their own personal finances, which I understand, above the exercise well, they get of individual rights. Well, they got concealed carry insurance. Oh, they do? How does that work? The banks do? And, and, the, and the companies do? No. Stores do? The gun holder, you citizen, can get the insurance. It costs about $120, $150 a year. It makes available for you a lawyer, and then it has a large liability amount. But that wouldn't affect the bank. Let's just talk about our bank end. So liability, ability. Oh, no, it wouldn't affect the bank. No. Okay, so that's what I think it but is. But the bank I would only want to cover bank. you for what's happening inside. But if you produce something, in other words, you're saying that I got this, I can't come in. When I, in other words, when I enter your door, I got to leave my gun sitting out there on the uh, planter box. <laughs> yeah. You know, then when I come outside, uh, Someone robs me for the money that I've taken out of your bank because you had a stipulation that I could not wear my gun when I came in, then they should be liable. Yeah, there's a famous case. Is it Susan Gracia is her name? Woman in Texas. This is before Texas had, uh, had constitutional carry or even concealed carry. Uh, she left her gun in her car, and she was at one of those horrible restaurants where somebody walked in and killed a bunch of people, including her parents, and there's nothing she could do about it. That has to be the worst feeling in the world, to know that you're a gun owner, a gun carrier, and you would stop this person, you know, in a heartbeat, um, but, you, but you had to leave your gun outside because of some stupid regulation that this person obviously didn't follow when we went and started killing people in a restaurant. And so she made the round. She you get hurt in the Congress. Walmart store, and the same as you get hurt on the Walmart parking lot. Yeah, exactly. They should be required. So they got surveillance cameras up there. Sometimes they have guards driving around in their cars, patrol cars. Yeah. So why can you exercise why can you exercise your right in the Walmart parking lot but you can't carry openly in a Walmart store? See that to me is a violation of rights. That's a civil rights violation. So we need to start thinking of the Second Amendment as a civil right discrimination based on exercising a constitutional right. That's an ideological. It's not an ideological. That's a different discrimination. That's because it's discriminating against conservatives or Christians. That's illegal too. You know, religion's a civil right as well as a constitutional right. And so these things come under civil rights. But I really, but I think the companies are doing this um, simply because they don't want the liability. So in other words, if somebody, they're more worried about the family of the criminal suing the bank for somebody killing their, their bank robbing, you know, offspring, <laughs> you know, than they are, uh, than the bank is worried. You know, I don't know. It's like, uh, although well, they, they got the liability. If, if somebody in the, in the store started acting up, you running from the slip and fall and hurt yourself, well, that's the liability that the store has. I mean, it's, it's, it's a shovel. Somebody could take a shovel and beat you across the head with it, or they can take a, they can take a can of a shaving cream and spray it all on you. That's their liability. Yeah, but that doesn't justify taking away somebody's constitutional rights. In fact, that should be illegal. That's the whole point of constitutional rights, that you can exercise them everywhere. You know, this, this, it was like when they used to say that, uh, you know, you can't carry a gun outside your home. You only have the right to carry a gun inside your home. Well, they had the judges that said that on the Supreme Court had no right to make that distinction. 
You know, they can't define where well, you just had a case right. down in Texas in Fort Worth where a cop, a cop shot through a window because he seen a woman inside uh, with a gun. And was she just openly caring or what? What was the situation? And she was in her house. <sighs> in her house. And he's outside. And he shot looking her? through the window. Yes. The black woman, this white cop shot her. I don't remember this case, but if you want to get the details, put it on the Action Radio Gun Group. Let's run it by Shirley. Let's uh, let's find out because we've talked about carrying guns in the home, especially if you have. Uh, now he was domestic... found mur- found guilty of murder. He was, but or was the case it? was is that uh, she came home, she was cooking, burnt okay. up some food, she opened the front door, and I think the back door to let the uh, smoke out. Right. And in the meantime, she was doing something with her daughter. It's about two in the morning. Neighbor across the street sees the door open. And he probably would have went and knocked because, but the neighborhood is so bad. This right. is what I talk about, cause and effect. Criminals that create crimes in these neighborhoods also take away certain natural profesh, uh, protection and mm-hmm. orderly things that would be occurring between neighbors. Mm-hmm. So the police come, and still mm-hmm. him knocking on the front door, he goes around to the side. She hears the noise or something or sees a flash or something, and she has pulled out her gun in the house, and he shoots through the window and kills her. Dumbass. That's crazy. Yeah. Well, it's worse than that. Now, are they still in the force or, or uh, you know, still, no, still exercising? Well, this happened a time ago. He finally went to trial. They found him guilty. Okay. But normally, you know, you've seen many cases where they have this implied immunity where uh, they wouldn't uh, wouldn't be charged. But now things are changing around. Well, so that's an issue of, of, uh, of immunity. So immunity for cops makes sense because otherwise anybody who was pulled over, anybody who was arrested, anybody who had any, you know, lawful enforcement action against them could sue. So you need immunity from that. You need immunity from the stupid stuff. But you, you can't have immunity for, for criminal action. Law enforcement is still responsible if they commit a murder, if they commit a robbery, if bribed. You know, they're subject to the same laws as anybody else. If they exceed their authority, if they use unlawful force, yeah. You know, the, the, so the immunity is for the stupid stuff. All police carry their own liability insurance, just as yeah. you would if you were a contractor. You carry your own liability insurance. If you have too many claims against it, then they would drop you. Then you're out of a job. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, makes sense. Okay, this is this is all all good stuff. I'm gonna check on that uh, the the idea. We should maybe talk to Jonathan Monday about that. Of liability immunity, are the corporations banning guns simply because they don't want the liability, or do they fundamentally just don't believe in the Constitution, don't believe in freedom? And they don't want their customers uh, able to defend themselves against uh, the criminals that are carrying guns in those stores anyway. Because we all know that, uh, you know, bank robbers, you know, are going to carry a gun in a bank. Otherwise, they're not going to rob the bank. And if they know that nobody else can carry a gun, that makes that bank more vulnerable. So they're actually making uh, a case. Go ahead. In California, in San Francisco, with two companies, with Kraken and uh, Coinbase, where their employees park on the parking lot, and you know in San Francisco that uh, their employees was being robbed under the threat of a hypodermic needle. Persons going to stab them with the needle. Hmm. Yeah. That's deadly force. That's murder. Yeah. Especially these days. Well, it'd be interesting 
you know, see, this is where, where conservative companies, Christian companies, uh, patriotic companies, veteran-owned companies, and different companies miss the boat. For every company that says you can't bring guns to, um, to their store, business, bank, restaurant, there should be you know, any number of, of other companies to say, please, gun owners, welcome. Gun owner discount. Remember Lauren Boebert's restaurant. I agree with right. you. I, I, agree with you. I wouldn't shop with a, I yeah. wouldn't shop with a company that uh, donate to a particular politician that mm-hmm. want to put those restrictions of your liberty on on trial like that. Don't shop yeah. with them. Yeah, but if I, I have, mean, the whole I idea have... with these politicians is trying to raise money and trying to get money, trying to get sponsors, well. trying to get donations. Don't well, shop with like these the... companies. Yeah, it's like if the – well, the other thing, too, is let's take the NRA, for example. If the NRA was ever successful in getting rid of gun control laws, there'd be no reason for the NRA. So you notice the NRA never uses the Second Amendment. They never actually – you know, they advocate for the Second Amendment, but they don't do it so much that uh, all the problems go away. <laughs> because if the problems go away, there's no need for the NRA. So they have to – so they're, more, they're a fundraising organization based on how much evil they tell you there is, but without actually changing it. That's why I stopped supporting the NRA. Yeah, but the evil does exist because you got politicians that apparently sit around the table and say, well, let's look at these lists of liberties. And let's see how we can take, start threatening to take them away. Then uh-huh. uh, the people will create some advocacy groups, mm-hmm. organizations, and they will collect uh, don- dues from them. And then they could take those dues and donate to our campaign contribution, campaign uh, whereas uh, we promise that we'll, uh, we won't do anything to take away their liberty. That's how that works. Yeah, it makes sense. Here's something, too, I was just thinking of as I'm, uh, as I'm listening. We've um, got a lot of veterans groups here because in the Milton, Pensacola area, we've got the greatest percentage of active duty and, and um, veterans, I think, in the country. That's what Matt Gates says because we've got Eglin Air Force Base, which is huge. We've got Hurlburt. We've got the Naval Air Station in Pensacola. We've got a bunch of military you know, right here in this area with the Blue Angels. And so I'm thinking there's got to be some veteran-owned companies that should be able to display signs out front, you know, gun owner discount, 10%, you know, if you're, uh, if you're carrying a, a concealed firearm, you know, of course, anybody could say that. I don't know how you'd verify that. Or just say gun owners welcome. You know, maybe you wouldn't have to have a discount because then you'd have to uh, unconceal your concealed fire, firearm, and that would then probably violate the open carry laws. Um, but they should be able, they should have gun owners welcome. You know, gun owner signs, but be the, be the safest company. You know, we, we have a gun safety program here at, uh, you know, coffee they company. Have that in, uh, they have they that in Missouri. Uh-huh. Yeah, they have some shops like that in Missouri. People come in with their guns. One time on a video showed police coming in, questioned them, and the owner told the police, you need to get out of here because you're the one that's causing the problem. Yeah. Get out of here. Yeah. If I was in, a, in an open carry state, and I disagree with Shirley on this, or, or not so much Shirley, but whoever too. wrote that article. Yeah, that's wrong, because cons- mm-hmm. constitutional carry means, you know, that'd be like saying constitutional free speech is constitutional except, you know, where we say that uh, it doesn't apply. Well, see, that's not... Yeah, that's like not, if uh, yeah. you go into a building, you can't use certain words like we, us, and, and they while you're <laughs> in this building. You can only use those words on the street. Yeah, or or saying free speech uh, laws apply, but you can't use high technology, you know, to to implement free free speech only applies, you know, if you use a a, a manual printing press. You know, that's the same thing. You know, you, we've, you've got open carry. Or you, you can come in here and do how. your 
you can come in and do your your homework, but you have to use a typewriter. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's the same kind of thing. So prescribing how or anytime the government prescribes how a right has to be exercised, that is blatantly that's prima facie that's unconstitutional right there. All right, let me uh, let me see if I can talk to you. I got a friend of mine, a uh, veteran, uh, lieutenant colonel, and uh, Marine Corps actually, and so I'm going to talk to him because he knows a lot of the veteran-owned businesses around here. That would be a nice thing to start. So I'm always in the proactive. And this is the problem I find with, with a lot of conservative patriot organizations is they've raised complaining to an art form, but they don't take the obvious proactive solution. So when a company you know, says, you know, no guns allowed here, no open carry guns, they all piss and moan and uh, you know, wail away like, uh, you know, like, like little babies, but they don't actually take, uh, take a positive step that would counter them. You know, how many businesses would say gun owners welcome? You know, you know concealed carry owners, you know, please, please carry in our store. <laughs> You know, I mean, you know, make us the safest story in, in Pensacola or something like that. Why not? I mean, that would make national news. Well, why don't they put on their door? Yeah. We contribute to uh, left-wing and liberal candidates. That way we don't have to go in there. Yeah. Or another one would I be, I would go you know, to a store that, that they contribute to, like, and the only reason I say this name is because it's highly recognized as a Maxine Waters. I wouldn't go into this store. Yeah. Yeah. Well, also what we could do is we could have the unsafe, unsafe store list. Any store that, that bans either the open carry or the carry of firearms, we should label and put them on the, on the unsafe list. So Walmart, which says you cannot carry a firearm openly, you know, would be on the unsafe list because they've, they've restricted a right. Uh, this bank, you know, would, uh, you know, well, actually, maybe I could mention them simply because they made it public. They I had to fun. rent a car. I had to rent a car near about a couple months ago. My grandson's car was being in the shop. Mm-hmm. We went to to a car uh, rental place. One was Avis, and the other was Enterprise. Well, mm-hmm. I didn't go to Enterprise. Why? Because early on, they said that those that have a NRA lifetime membership card cannot use that card for discounts like they had for a long time. Hmm. So the hell, I don't do business with them no more. Yeah, I went to sense. the Avis. Yeah, yeah. Let me. So I also tell, the best. So the bank is Truist. T R U I S T. I guess it's a merger of SunTrust and something else. And uh, when it was SunTrust, you know, you look at the the, the bank front door and it's fine. You know, they didn't, they didn't have any restrictions on that. But now that it's Truist, they have a big sign on the front that says no firearms allowed on the property. And I'm thinking to myself, you can't do that in Florida, <laughs> you know, because we have, Florida is a shell issue concealed carry state. You can't block people. And then Shirley says, well, it's private property. That's what they're using as well. It's they private had property. Another, and if you can't do that if you're open to the public. Another case, yeah. They had another case in Richmond, Virginia. <clears throat> a friend of mine told me that the uh, Salvation Army made a statement that they weren't going to take any use items of Kanye West, his brand, Y-E, yay, they wouldn't take them. So I called him up and I said, is that true? And I said, so the clothes I brought there for donation last week, I'm coming back and getting them. Yeah. Oh, no, that we can say that. No, if you would take anything. <laughs> well, that's where you have to start. That's how you yeah. got to play the game with these woke crowd. Yeah. They can all, yeah. It's like you like to be beat upside the head and kicked in the butt. Though you can complain about it. The hell yeah. with that. Well, yeah, I'll contact Truist Bank and see why they think they can limit constitutional rights in Florida. Let's see what I can do about that. Let me take a break. 
Uh, we've got. To, I want to do a little bit more on accelerationism, which I find fascinating. Capitalism, socialism, communism, Nazism, fascism, and now accelerationism. Anything with an ism is generally something bad. We got the rest of the show. Derek can't make it, so uh, he's off with his New Year's. I mean, you know, why not? Uh, in fact, I was, I was glad Shirley was here. Uh, that was kind of fun. But uh, let me play. Let's do a little musical interlude here for a minute, and I'm gonna play a couple of things. So it'll take about five minutes, and then I'll be right back. So get your coffee, settle in. We've got uh, we've got some things to talk about here. Anybody else wants to join us? Two one five three eight three three eight three two, which is, is prominently displayed on your broadcast page, which is why I do not mention it all the time. And if you're listening to the podcast, you can't call in anyway. Um, but otherwise, feel free. And of course, we have live chat. We've got a couple of people on live chat that just haven't typed in a message yet. So they're free to do that as well. Let me get to my musical selection. Let me, uh, let's wake everybody up a little bit here. And I'll be back in about five. Greg Penglis here for my book, The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction. Everyone at some point in their life wants to learn how to fly. Few try. Even fewer go on to get a license. I believe a major reason for that is how we teach people how to fly. My book is designed to help you navigate the flight training system, but it's so much more than that. It really describes an entirely new way to teach flying. So if you've never tried a lesson or got discouraged in your training and quit for any reason, this book can help you. Don't be a rope pilot who just follows procedures. Be a thinking pilot who makes great decisions, who understands all the reasons why we do what we do. You can incorporate these principles into your own flight training at any time. The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction is featured on the Action Radio with Greg Pankless Facebook page and is available from Amazon.com. Hello, this is Greg Penglis for our newest shooting range here in Milton, Florida. Stand your ground. My friend Jason Myers and crew 
are creating an incredible facility for our city. Stand Your Ground is located at 6632 Elva Street. The phone number is 850-789-1776. Their email is standyourground1776 at gmail.com. Here you'll find either in process or already going an indoor shooting range, axe throwing, archery, a rage room, self-defense classes, concealed carry weapons classes, security license training, paintball, a full-service gun store, and 24-7 online ordering. So come on down or contact them by phone, email, or website and learn how you can best stand your ground. This is Greg Penglis. So what is Action Radio? It is a radio show with its own citizen legislature. That's you, the listener. It is a fully interactive system of listeners, expert guests, social media, writing bills, legislator input, bill submission, lobbying, and citizen action. Action Radio is the future of talk radio using all the available technology in one completely integrated new system. You are listening to Action Radio Online with Greg Penglis. The webpage for all Action Radio shows and podcasts is blogtalkradio.com slash citizenaction. Please share our show with all your friends and family, both nationally and internationally. The guiding principle of Action Radio is this. We the people give our consent to be governed through writing the laws by which we are governed. Dangerously cool. All right, we're back. I've got Pianchi here. Anybody else wants to join us? 215-383-3832. I think that there's probably uh, not a lot of folks, um, because it's a holiday, you think that we're we're not a live show. We are a live show. (laughs) I I like doing things on holidays when everybody else is taking a break because uh, you got me. So if you want to join us here, please feel free. Also, we got the live chat as well. A couple of people checked in but haven't actually uh, typed a message yet. So we've been talking for a couple of days now. We covered the power supply thing pretty well. I, I, I think I've established a case that, uh, that only the government has an interest in doing this, so the chances are they're behind it. But this term came out as they define it. Uh, they, they, they keep talking about these right-wing groups, which are really left-wing groups, Nazis, uh, neo-fascists, uh, you know, white supremacists, et cetera. Those are all left-wing groups because they all require totalitarian government action to accomplish what they want to accomplish. That's how you can tell a left-wing group from a right-wing group. A right-wing group wants freedom. Uh, in fact, the extreme right-wing groups go all the way to anarchy, which is not freedom at all. It's just the opposite of freedom, as is totalitarianism. They're both uh, tyrannical systems. Anarchy and totalitarianism are, are tyrannies uh, because there is no freedom, but for different reasons, actually opposite reasons, total government versus no government. So they came up with this term accelerationism. And again, whenever I see an ism, I always worry. Capitalism is the, uh, uh, is the, the downgrading, the degradation, the insulting, the, the, uh, the purposely uh, demonizing of, of, of a free market. So when people like it, they talk about a free market. When people are against it, they talk about capitalism. Capitalism being a term from Marx, from Das Kapital, you know, the capital. You know, in other words, capitalism is the root of all evil because it's the accumulation of private property, whereas the Constitution is just the opposite. 
Uh, in fact, you know, I might do it. This might be kind of fun to do. I've got the, uh, I found an old, uh, I've been going through some of my older stuff here, and I'm finding things that I've been looking for for a long time. One of them, I've got a big book on the Constitution, but in it, I actually typed out the, uh, the Communist Manifesto, the 10 planks of the Communist Manifesto. So it's useful for us to go over those every once in a while just to sort of see, you know, what the, the Marxist coup really wants. It's right out of the Communist Manifesto. So that's why I call them Marxists and Communists. So there's a group here called the Counter Extremism Project. And apparently they don't associate with anybody. They don't say who they're from, which tends to make me think this is a, a leftist group uh, masquerading as a neutral group, as a nonprofit, um, to try and describe something that they are and that they're trying to project onto uh, conservatives, patriots, you know, MAGA folks, things like that. And that is this idea of accelerationism, which is the accelerating of things like capitalism uh, so that they, they get so much of capitalism that they fall apart. Well, as I, as I tried to explain earlier, and I'm curious Pianchi's opinion on this, that if you accelerate freedom, you get more freedom, and that's a good thing. Freedom does not collapse because you get more of it. Freedom collapses because you get less of it. So the idea that uh, accelerating freedom is a bad thing is, is, is patently absurd. And these folks come along, and they talk about accelerating capitalism to the point where it falls apart. Well, to do that, you have to think that capitalism is inherently flawed to begin with. Now, does that mean a free market means that there are no restrictions on corporations or no restrictions on anything? No. Theft is still illegal. You know, killing your employees is still illegal. Um, you know, having uh, tyrannical work conditions like company towns, it's still illegal. You know, so things like that. So, you know, putting unsafe products on the market is illegal. So a free market does not imply anarchy, an anarchy market. See, that's the difference. A free market implies that there are the, 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 the trade, the exchange of goods, the uh, pricing structure, the, the, the ability of products to come onto the market, the ability of businesses to enter the market is free. But if you have corporations banding together and, and, and blocking you know, corporate entry, like uh, my favorite example, the Tucker. I actually saw Tucker Cars in Florida. I was there when they filmed the last scene, the, the, the movie with Jeff Bridges, where he plays uh, Mr. I forgot his first name, Mr. Tucker, who created a car that was way ahead of his time, that uh, the big three in, in – uh, uh, Detroit, Chrysler, General Motors, and Ford didn't want because it, it would have cost him money. He had the seatbelts. He had shatter uh, uh, glass that would, would, would shatter rather than kill people. He had uh, a headlight in the front of the car that turned left and right by the steering wheel so you could see around corners. He had all these wonderful innovations, uh, but they didn't want that because they wanted to have the cars that they wanted to produce you know, at their economies of scale that they wanted. And of course, a lot of Americans died, and then most of the things that Tucker brought into his cars were fully adopted. You know, it's like my book, The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction. Most of the things that I talked about when I wrote about this in 1992 and had published in 1994 are now in your flight training. You know, why? Because they stole my ideas. <laughs> you know, they didn't give me credit for it, but the, they've implemented pretty much everything I asked for. So I'm pretty happy. You know, I mean, the, what I wanted got done. It'd be nice to have credit for it, maybe someday, but not yet. <laughs> you know, I, I, just re, I just renewed my flight instructor certificate. I'm like, oh, I know where that is. I know what chapter that one came from. Yeah, that's new. That's good. Okay, yeah, they're improving. Anyway, so getting back to the whole idea of, of, of this projection of accelerationism, you have to believe that freedom is flawed, that, uh, that the free market is inherently flawed, not just not the excesses and the, the illegalities of a free market, but the free market itself. The idea that a free exchange of goods and services is somehow a bad thing and should be regulated. The idea that people accumulate property is a bad thing and should be redistributed. You know, the idea of social justice rather than individual justice, the idea of equity rather than private property, all these things are, are from the left. So to attribute this to, to conservatives, patriots, and, uh, 
you know, folks on, on the other side of the political spectrum is just absurd. I hate the term right wing because it always implies something bad. That's why I don't say it a lot. But I need a good term. So it'd be leftist and I don't know, um, you know, constitutionalist. <laughs> that's probably leftist and constitutionalist. That's probably the best way to describe it. Anyway, so I found this organization called the Counter Extremism Project. It looks like the Southern Poverty Law Center. It's that same kind of thing. So I'm just going to read this a little bit. Then I want to get to, I'm curious Pianchi's opinion on it. It's only three paragraphs. Fairly short, actually. Uh, first one's only one sentence. Accelerationism is the belief that specific forces, historically economic, should be accelerated to affect societal change. Some far-right groups, and this is where they make a mistake, some far-right groups, in other words, leftist groups that are projecting, but they say some far-right groups have adopted a violent form of accelerationism to promote terrorism and other violent acts in order to hasten the downfall of a societal order they believe is, is complicit in white genocide. Oh, wait a minute. This is a contradiction. This is kind of an interesting statement. Some far-right groups you know, want to bring down um, far-right groups. Let me see if I can make sense of this. Have adopted a violent form of accelerationism uh, to promote terrorism. Now, why would you adopt a violent... I mean, isn't, is not terrorism itself a violent form uh, of... Uh, you know, of whatever it is. It's a violent form. Terrorism is violent. You know, terrorism without, without violence does not produce terror. So this is the kind of a weird statement. They've adopted a violent form of accelerationism to promote terrorism and other violent acts in order to hasten the downfall of a societal order they believe is complicit in white genocide. So, oh, I get it. Okay, so what they're saying is the, 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 uh, the leftists are saying that right-wing folks think that the left is uh, promoting white genocide. You know, is it the death of white people or is it the death of whiteness? You know, the, see, the left always thinks that white people band together as some kind of massive group, that we're, uh, you know, we're a group defending our, our whiteness. And it just ain't so. <laughs> you know, usually you find these groups are leftists that believe in totalitarianism, that want to segregate people, uh, just like the Aryan nations. You know, the, uh, the Aryan nation, uh, the Aryan Brotherhood, those are Nazi organizations. Well, the Nazis are national socialists. They're left-wing. I keep saying it. Make sure people you know, understand the difference. Then it says accelerationism is historically linked to Marxism and the belief that accelerating detrimental forces within capitalism and will ultimately lead to its destruction. Well, I question who wants to destroy capitalism? Certainly not the capitalists. Certainly not the people that believe in, oh, in private property. Oh, a lot property. of people that want to destroy capitalism. Well, let's talk about that for a minute then. <clears throat> okay, so, who, so is it the left or the right that wants to destroy capitalism? Let's establish that first. It's the left. You know, you have about 260 or 270 black separatist groups in this country. Do they want to destroy capitalism? Some of them do, yes. Okay. So what would they gain from destroying capitalism? They would come up with their own system of, um, like, barter. So who's going to produce the goods and services that uh, leftists want the government to redistribute from people who earn it to people who are on welfare? I mean, who are they going to get to do that I couldn't if tell they destroyed? You, yeah. I couldn't tell you the logic of their reasoning, but uh, there's a lot of groups that uh, – uh, I know a lot of black groups that look at uh, capitalism as being evil. Hey, look okay. at Angela Davis during yeah. her time. Look. No, I understand. I mean, there's a lot of white groups that look at capitalism as evil too. I mean, Marx was white. Marx was German. You know, everybody thinks of this as Russian. You know, well, they Marx, would say uh, Marx was black because he had fuzzy hair, crazy hair. <laughs> nah, Marx was a white guy. So, so uh, yeah, it's interesting yeah, that uh, 
You know, that's okay. No, that's fine. It's interesting to know that uh, it's interesting that the that a German Marx, you know, brought about the most totalitarian system, uh, whereas the British, you know, brought about uh, the greatest freedom system, going back to Magna Carta. And those two countries have been at war for centuries. Uh, it's just it's interesting. It's, it's a different national philosophy. It's, it's fascinating how those uh, those two nations developed. While the French were drinking wine and not wanting and, either one of them, <laughs> you know, it's interesting. Yeah. And many times that people are able to form these groups that have that type of philosophy because memory of it just can't do well within the present system. Mm-hmm. Now, normally so these groups would go away. But, yeah, but, but these groups have to have some kind of financial backing. See, this is what I find interesting, too. And this is one of the great undiscovered things we got we to, you know, we certainly I have to look into is most of the WACO groups out there receive funding. The government funds the uh, like the the EPA um, funds you know the the WACO environmental groups through grants and all kinds of things. That's what a lot of this this payoff you know this 1.7 trillion dollar budget. A lot of that money is going to go pay off leftist groups to advocate leftist causes that the government can't do. So they pay people to do their activism for them to try and make policies more palatable to the general population, like climate change. So you, so you pay the environmentalists to say that climate change is terrible, it's coming, we have to get rid of carbon dioxide. You know, and then, uh, other, you know, then the, the groups against that, they don't have the government funding, right? So groups like the CO2 coalition have to raise their own money. And, of course, they're, they're not as effective because they don't have the money. They don't have the multi-million well, dollar budget. Well, they do get government funding. They Who? do get government funding just like you got up in Minnesota with those uh, <clears throat> church groups that bring refugees from uh, inner Africa, Central Africa, Uganda, uh, the Congo, the DRC, all the way up to Minnesota. Yeah. So they do get funding, uh, Catholic charities, Lutheran charities. Yeah, that's true. I want to get back to this idea of accelerationism because this is a fascinating term. So the reason I'm doing this, the reason I'm spending the time on this, is, is because I believe the government, the leftist Marxist coup, is going to come out and start using this term to, to uh, demonize people that uh, don't agree with what they're doing. In other words, conservatives, patriots, independents, you know, all kinds of folks. Uh, this is, and this is the precursor. So in other words, we're, we're reporting the news before it happens. So forewarned is forearmed. Watch for the government using the term accelerationism as a way to demonize people that, uh, that, uh, you know, that disagree with what the coup is doing. So it says here, accelerationism is historically linked to Marxism, we know that's that's something that you know that's dedicated to bringing down the free market and and freedoms, you know individual rights and free markets. You know it's economic and and uh, rights. Those are the two big things. So you look at economics, you look at uh, individual rights. Those are the two things that are supposed to be protected most by government, and those are the two things that the Marxists want to take away so that they get all the stuff. It says accelerationism is historically linked to Marxism and the belief that accelerating detrimental forces within capitalism will ultimately lead to its destruction. Now we've already established that. As long as, as the, the, uh, the illegalities of capitalism are kept under control, the, uh, you know, just the, the, the complete you know, buying of companies, the, the fraudulent you know, information of stuff, the insider trading, the uh, you know, illegal products, products, things like that, how does, how does that fit in? I think, I think you're because you permit, you permit uh you permit girls as young as 12 to have abortion without their parents' approval. Okay, but that's not a corporate thing. I'm talking about I'm talking about capitalism specifically. So, in other words, the, uh, when we talk about capitalism, people well, say, well, look at look at, uh, you know, "What's that now?" The the organizations that perform them do do reap very well. 
Okay, so because that, yeah, now that, you have a segment of the market that you wouldn't have had normally. Yeah, but see, that's a left wing. So the left wing is not going to bring down the left wing industry. I mean, abortion is a left wing industry. So that's that's different than talking. They're not going. To, in other words, people that criticize um, abortion places criticize it because they're killing babies. But that's a different thing. That's that's not an that's that's a life. That's a humanitarian argument. I'm talking about a, a, a word here that's going to be used by the left to demonize people on the right simply because um, they. But it came from Marxism. And they, so this, this this website even admits the it came acceleration. From the acceleration right. occurs when you open it up to a segment of the population that wasn't open before. So when Obama time, when he made it possible, uh, talked about it, promoted it, where and we've seen it come about, where a young girl, young as twelve, can have access to, to uh, the morning after pill, or probably even abortion. I mean, okay, look at their a, policy on Planned yeah. Parenthood International. Right. You're With, right. Uh, well, that's accelerating, right? No, this is, no, you, you, it, it, you, what you're saying is absolutely correct, but it's a totally different argument. You know? And so I wanted to uh, just hold up. I want to get through this here because what, what we're, we, you know, when you talk about capitalism, and the, what, I, don't want, I don't want folks to get confused what we're talking about here. So it, I want to keep to this argument. We can bring it up later. I mean, we've got, we got another hour after this. You know, but uh, at this particular time, I really want to cover this. How about the marijuana one... industry? Okay, well, yeah, see, again, um, let me talk about capitalism in general. Then we can bring up specific industries because it's, 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 I think it's confusing the discussion. So let me say, when we talk about accelerationism, you know, and to talk about the flaws of capitalism. So what I really want to make clear, and we'll get back to it. Now, like I say, these are good points. I just want to take them at a place where it, it makes more sense to put them in. So when you take a look at, at people that say that capitalism is flawed because workers don't get paid, or capitalism is flawed because corporations have way too much money, you know, and, and that's actually true in some senses. So if you want to bring that up, that the concentration of wealth uh, and the, lo- the, the, the loss of you know, the middle class, you know, is a, is a problem of too much capitalism. I don't think that's the right reason, but that's what a lot of people will say. So let's, what I really want to cover here is, is this transition for what is a left-wing do, do Marxist have a principle. Definition? Hang on. Do you have a right, definition for capitalism? For, for capitalism? No, I don't. But I can, I mean, I don't have the, the official definition. Capitalism to me is based on capital. In other words, using private property to uh, create uh, industries and uh, businesses that generate a profit. Where the well, profit when I tax learned that goes capitalism, to the, what's that? I learned that capitalism would be to do business without government interference or with excessive government interference. Yeah, see, I don't that that one doesn't make as much sense to me because you know all companies are chartered by government, so there's always government interference. Every corporation has government, and a corporation by definition is formed to limit liability. Um, to the people that run the company so that they're not liable f- for their personal income and their personal property. Only the corporation's money is liable. So a corporation, by definition, is, gov- is a government-created entity for the purpose of limiting yeah, liability. But, but, but there was a – like, for instance, in Illinois, they had blue law where businesses wasn't open on Sunday. No, I'm sorry. In Missouri, businesses wasn't open on Sunday, so people would go over to Illinois and shop on Sunday and buy liquor on Sunday. Yeah, but again, these are these are these are peripheral issues. We're still not dealing with the main topic, so let me come back to this paragraph here and and see if I can make sense of it because it is I am leading somewhere with this. We're talking about again, so back to our original term of accelerationism, a Marxist term that the left is trying to apply to to uh, conservatives 
uh, to demonize them. And by saying, and it says here, the acceleration, slow down, Greg, the accelerationism of the far right is inherently violent. Okay, so this is this is the projection that's going on. So the, what they're trying to say is that a Marxist principle that life is unfair, you know, because they don't want to work hard, they want stuff given to them. Um, they're saying that uh, we we can't we that the right wing is actually accelerating a violent situation to bring down the society. Well, that doesn't make any sense because those who believe in in capital and free markets, you know, we have we have a system. We have the stock market, we have the commodities market, we have exchange, we have uh, you know the exchange of goods and services, which is probably overregulated, but uh, we still have, you know, where the basic system works. I don't think people would, uh, they criticize the problems with it, but they don't criticize the system itself, that a free market system works. Whereas the left is coming along and saying that the far right wants to bring that free market system down. And that's where I think they're, they're, they're lying, quite frankly. Then it says here, why right, let's do a chance here. Or, or, hold on, let me finish. Who would be me, for uh, not, sh- who would be for not shopping on Sunday, the left or the right? Good question. So, so the right would say it's, it's the business's choice and the people's choice. If businesses are open Sunday, people can shop. The left would say you can't do it because, you know, workers require a day off. So it'd be, it'd be so different. The right would about. say that God worked, God, God worked six days and the seventh day he rests. So the right would say that you should be home, go to church and be home with your family. But they wouldn't make a law. Against what the left would say well, – well, they did have a law again. It was called blue laws. Oh, I remember blue laws. I was in Massachusetts and we had blue laws. I remember them. Yeah. The, yeah. the left would say you should be able to do whatever you want to, go to strip clubs or whatever you want to on a Sunday. Uh-huh. The, the right would say, no, you should go to church. Yeah, but they wouldn't make a law against it. See, that's the difference. See, blue laws, I don't know where blue laws came from, but whoever, caught, whoever sponsored those were wrong. If you want to engage in commerce on Sunday, you know, Sunday is a valid day of the week. You should be able to engage in commerce. But we're still getting away from the topic. I want to get back to this. I keep bringing it back here because I, w- I want to make these points. Um, back to the, the idea that they're criticizing the right here. I'm talking about the accelerationism of the far right. And then they go to their typical place where they always go, which is white nationalists, white supremacists. They go to a racist term. This is how I know this is from the left because the right doesn't, doesn't you know, classify people uh, in, in race by the same way. If they do it for, for information purposes, it's not for demonization purposes. So the left does this, but the only white nationalist groups that are dangerous are the, uh, the Nazis, you know, the white supremacists. And they're not even nationalists, because if you're a nationalist, you believe in what the nation believes in. And what the nation believes in is the Constitution, individual rights, the Bill of Rights, etc., and the Republic. So white nationalists, by definition, are leftists because they don't believe in the Republic. Let me get back to the article. So it says white nationalist groups such as the base, and this is what I want to get into, as the base believe that the current societal order is inherently corrupt and therefore unsustainable. So let's go back to what they're saying. Originally, this was an economic argument. Capitalism will lead to its destruction. Now they're saying that uh, the whole society is corrupt and therefore unsustainable. So you see how they make the link? They go, this, they go from Marxism to saying that capitalism is unstable, to saying that this, to saying that white nationalists, the racists they hate, and this organization called the base that I've never heard of, also believe that the entire society is unsustainable. That's where they go. That's the logic of the argument. That's the thing I wanted to present. Now let me take a comment. See how they're doing this? I guess he's muted himself. He's thinking. I'll come back to it. Pianki, feel free to join me back different here. Groups, Greg? You know, you so, had groups. Which groups? For instance, you got groups. Uh, 
I can't think of the name of the group. You had groups that would want to go into black organizations and volunteer their time. Well, they would bring in their ideology in, especially uh-huh. one group would bring in white baby dolls to give to the black kids. <laughs> that's interesting. But what, and but, so that, I know of one place where the woman who was the head of the school, she ran them out. He said, you don't bring white baby dolls in to give to black kids. Yeah, see, I, I, I understand the, the argument you're making, but it's... Uh, now, that's uh, a leftist uh, group. Right. That's a leftist group. Oh, man, it's on the tip of my tongue. It's a leftist group. Matter of fact, Farrakhan was dealing with the group. Nation of Islam. And the members complained. Uh-huh. That's a leftist group that wants to come in under the pretense of volunteering and uh-huh. impose some of their ideology onto, you know, the, the care that was in the uh, school. Hmm. Interesting. Let me get back to this uh, this thought here. This group called The Base. Have you ever heard of The Base? I think it's a leftist created group that they're they're trying to blame on 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 the right. Have you ever heard of the base? B A S E. No, I haven't. There's a, there's a lot of them out there. Okay, so this is this is important because the fact that we've never heard of this right wing group, and we're right wing, you know, show or conservative. Like I said, I don't like the term right wing. It's always derogatory. I don't mind saying leftist because I mean that to be derogatory. <laughs> That's different. Um, but they always create these groups. It's like the alt-right. Do you remember Charlottesville? So let's bring, uh, uh, I think this is a relevant example. Charlottesville, where these, they said the alt-right is there. And these are actually two leftist groups. We have one group that wanted to support the statues because they wanted history preserved. And they had this other group that says unite the right. And they're a bunch of leftists. And then they were called right-wing, and then they were blaming the right-wing, but they're actually a bunch of leftists. So in other words, they actually create, the left creates groups that are leftists, calls them right-wing, and then demonizes them. It's very convenient. I think the base is one of those kind of things. I think the base is probably a leftist-based group, leftist-funded, you know, and leftist-supported, that they're saying is a right-wing group, uh, that's, that's, that's demon, that so they can demonize them, but the group is actually doing what they want. In other words, separating the races, creating a separate nation, and that kind of thing. So the article says here, this is from, just for folks that want to know, Counter Extremism Project. It's a, it's a big deal. They get money. Homeland Security gave them, uh, you know, 150-some-odd thousand dollars in a grant. I can't find the date of it. But that's not a lot of money, but I'm sure they got a bunch more. they got a donate button here, right? So and they have, under the Counter Extremism Project, sounds like Southern Poverty Law Center. They have this thing on acceleration, uh, accelerationism. That's what I'm reading from. Then it says, this is the second paragraph, the base calls on its followers to execute non-attributable terror attacks to destabilize society. So again, so non-attributable. In other words, they don't want to be known for doing it. So what terrorist group doesn't want to be known for their terrorist actions? That's, that's, uh, that's a contradiction. The whole point of, of, of terrorist groups you know, creating terror is that they want credit for it so, they, so people know to be afraid of them. Otherwise, there's no terrorism. It was just some arbitrary act with a, that's non-attributable. In other words, nobody knows who did it. Then it's just a, it's, it's an act, but, it, but there's no effect. Terrorists want to have an effect. So that doesn't make sense either. Then it says, in order to, or it says, the base calls on its followers to execute non-attributable terror attacks to destabilize society. Well, terrorist attacks don't destabilize society. They just make people afraid. Society keeps going on. And then it says, in order to hasten a race war that will overthrow the government and reshape society. So how will a race, what is a race war? 
What would that look like here? How would that overthrow the government? And how would that reshape society? seems to me the left is trying to instigate a race war so they can reshape society into a Marxist utopia after they've destroyed everything of value. So how would you define a race war, Pianchi? What would that look like? Black versus white. But would it be black versus white, though? It just is a race war. We assume black versus white because we have a history of that in this country. There's, black, there's a black. See, the definition changed as time goes on. Okay. In the early, earliest periods, i say in the early 1900s, Mm-hmm. Your definition of the race war would be blacks against whites, or whites against mm-hmm. blacks. But it's interesting. Early in our century, there were a lot of black Republicans, and there were a lot of whites that uh, lynched black people in the South because they voted no, Republicans. Yeah, but a lot that's of white people political leaning. That's not skin color. Right. That's true. Okay, so a race war. Well, let's. So where would the Hispanics go? Where would the where the American Indians go? Where were the Asians Hispanics were, Hispanics were not a population concern at the time. Okay, well, let's take a modern day then. So, so if we had a race war in this country, God forbid, I'm not, I'm not proposing it. I'm a, you know, obviously, I want to avoid it. The whole point of Action Radio is the peaceful revolution. So let's get that out there. But what, if, if uh, the left actually got a race war going, who would line up? Who would be fighting it? What do you mean who would line up? Well, because you, you look at conservatives and patriots, you know, we don't, we don't think last of ourselves by race. Standing? Well, no, but I'm just kind of curious. How would this be fought? So they're saying a race war. So let's, let's call them on their word. Let's call the left on their word that, they're, that, the, that they say the right might instigate a race war, which is what I think they're trying to do, because it's the left that has all the government criteria, the left that has segregation by race, the left that demonizes white people and Asians and promotes blacks and Hispanics in colleges, for example. It's the left that's causing... That, that wants the race war, but I'm just curious what, a, what a, it, let's call them on it. So, so what is this race war? What would it look like? This is why we need more leftist callers to kind of defend the left and, and see what it would be. So I'm, I'm th- you know, I have this image of like, you know, white people on one side of the, of the field and black people on the other side of the field and they all line up with their muskets and shoot each other. Is that what they're talking about? Well, you'd have, have separation. You'd have to have separation. There are groups that want separation. Okay. Do they want it violently? They have been some violence come out of some groups that uh, the chairman of the January 6th committee, he oh, was yeah. associated Tell with. Tell me about with him. Tell me about Benny, well, Benny Johnson, right? About him. Oh, yeah, I was he, hoping you'd tell me. Okay, fine. That's no fun. I got a great source here and you won't tell me. All right, well, I'll look him up. Let's go back to our race war. Now, you told me about this, that there were towns – uh, in various parts of the country that were basically black towns, you know, black owned businesses, you know, fully functioning towns, black government. And, and the whole town was black, or at least the, the vast majority. Uh, and the reason that they did that was because they didn't want the discrimination, you know, that was in other places in the country. And apparently they work pretty well. You really want to tell me about that, right? Yeah, they exist, especially on the Oklahoma territory. Okay. For out is uh, California and Allenworth. Uh, Richard Nixon worked with uh, Harvey Gantt and another gentleman, I can't think of his name, the former mm-hmm. town in um, Winston-Salem, North Carolina, called Soul City. 
Brooklyn, Illinois, across the river from Illinois, uh, from St. Louis, was one of those towns. Do they still exist? So you can are still a lot towns of that are South Oklahoma, Bowie, Oklahoma. Blacks went out and they formed their own town. And so, if uh, these towns are they still around? Are, are there towns that are voluntarily black towns? Taft is still around. Okay. Uh, what they call uh, the Greenwood section of Tulsa, Oklahoma, that was infamously named Black Wall Street. That town came under attack by a mob of whites that came out of Arkansas. Interesting. So what I'm getting at, so if a voluntary group that define themselves by race wants to form a, a self, you know, functioning town, um, this is kind of interesting. And, you know, why you would these towns... You got some blacks in Georgia. Uh-huh. You got some blacks right outside of Atlanta just as we talk have bought land, 10 acres, I think, maybe more, 100 acres, that they, uh, and words have went out that they want to form a black town. A safe spot, so to say. Yeah. So housing and discrimination laws say that you couldn't ban other races from being there. But if if a town wanted to voluntarily have a predominantly black population, I don't care. That makes sense. You know, if folks want to. I mean, we have freedom of association. You know, what I, I said that they can exclude people. No. And here's the problem. A bunch of other folks would come in and try and break it up. It's like if we had a conservative town form. Let's say we had. Um, you know, Patriot, Missouri, <laughs> the town of Patriot, Missouri is for conservatives. You know, the first thing liberals would do, have bun- move in a bunch of liberals. They'd move in a bunch of Somalis from uh, Minnesota, you know, just to disrupt it. Well, that's, well what's the difference? that goes on among blacks, too. You got politicians that would, uh, matter of fact, it was uh, going on in St. Louis County with uh, Charles Dooley, okay. who was the first black uh, commissioner of St. Louis County. And it was said that they was directing uh, Section 8, putting in, uh, directing Section 8 to North County, which was uh, basically mostly black, right now it really depends on certain sections. Mm-hmm. And they complained that, why come you're not uh, sponsoring this type of housing in, uh, in South St. Louis, in South County? No. Yeah. South County, not South St. Louis. Well, here's the question, too. If you had a – so all this defies uh, this idea that there's going to be a race war, you know, because we have separate towns forming. It say if you have a black town that forms, you know, and the country goes on, the economy goes on, you know, life is great. If you want to live in a black town, fine. If you're – you know, if the town's like 98%, 99% black and that works for that town, I don't care. Again, you still have housing discrimination laws, and you can't ban people from being there. You can't ban, you know, white customers, Asian customers from the businesses if they're open to the public. But if the town is more successful with a bunch of, of, of black folks that want to live in that town to make that town work, that's great. That makes sense. That's, you what know, you can't accelerate because what you would do, the prices will be so uh, out of reach for a segment of the population. Why would, why would the prices be higher in a, in a, in a predominantly black town? There's predominantly black towns in, in right in St. Louis County, uh-huh. where the prices is out of reach for the regular black. You know, houses six hundred seventy thousand, seven hundred thousand dollars. That's government policy, though. That's not the idea of the town. That's See, not here's government policy. That's market. Why? Why was the? Why would the market make goods more expensive in a, in a predominantly black town? 
or black area? That's because this is, it's a desirable community that people seek to live in. Okay. People well, would I mean, there are... Without the means. Most blacks don't have the means for that. So what we have seen is that politicians, uh, for instance, HUD, uh, <clears throat> would buy up townhouses and open those townhouses up for people of a lower class. Lower income Pay class. Pay section eight. Yeah. Yeah, okay. And when but you that's... do that, you would cause other people in the neighborhood who have found housing to move. Again, that's a government screwing Even up the situation. But, but here's, my, here's my point, though. This is what I was getting to, and I'm, I'm curious about this. If you have a, a, a basically a privately structured, you know, normal government, city government, county government, things like that, you've got a town that's decided that they want to be a black town. And they've got black-owned businesses. You've got black, you know, leaders in government. You've got black civic leaders, black pastors, black priests. You know, so you, you've got a black town. And it's doing well. My question is, wouldn't that be the exact model of why you don't want to have a Democrat Party Marxist-dominated black town where usually the economy is terrible and creates the very situation that you just said, that black people that live in a, in a Democrat government-run Marxist town have no opportunity. Prices are outrageous. You know, the, there's, there's nothing but welfare. You don't have the industry. You've got drugs, gangs, violence, uh, and you've got the things the Democrats love because they, they thrive on conflict and misery. So the black town is the internet. You can go on the internet, that, uh, uh, on the internet and... But wait, but let me finish my point. The black town proves that the black model of the Democrat black model of government is a lie, doesn't it? Well, they they don't necessarily have to be Democrat because when people start moving into those economic ranges, <clears throat> their political uh-huh. uh, their political stance change. They want better okay. schools. They want school choice. So okay. let me ask you this. In these black towns, is there school choice? Do they have full voucher programs? Well, when you look at the academic performance of schools in those areas, they're, uh, they're, they're higher than what they would be coming out of a Detroit or a St. Louis. So the issue is not that blacks need affirmative action or scholarships or, or lower SAT scores. The problem is that government screws life up for people and takes away opportunity, takes away knowledge from the kids, and that if we have a black town, so we're, we're talking about people that are a, a quote, a, a um, was it underprivileged minority, or what's the term, marginalized, okay, this is the big term, marginalized. So if you have a black town that is successful, that has a decent education system, that proves that black isn't the issue. It's policy. It's attitude. It's policy, yes. It's what I say all the time. It's the policy. That's the reason you vote for somebody is because of policy. You vote okay. for because of interest. So why aren't there more black towns? This sounds like a decent idea. If, if, if blacks in the cities will say, wait, I'm not going to get out of the city. I'm going to go live in a black town, you know, where I've got some decent opportunity. Well, they do try. They do try to do that. Like, like, a, like during the 2014 Ferguson okay. uh, event. A lot of people in that town, a lot of blacks in that town who had moved there early on in the 60s, escaping Mm -hmm. crime and and all the negative things out of North St. Louis City. And they moved to the outskirts, what we call ring cities, Ferguson, Berkeley, and, you know, Dalewood. 
And uh, when they moved in, and they, they used a process called blockbusting, you move a black family in, the rest of the whites leave. <laughs> <laughs> but do they, though? Is that a proven fact? Do, do white people go, oh, no, there's a black yeah, family does. in my block? Really? So that's fascinating to me. It does. As someone who's of, lived in a... It's because of historical data. It does happen. Okay, so no, what happened is that when okay. Ferguson came on, and then, and this was a slow process because this idea of uh, moving people out of areas like Walnut Park because crime and everything else is so bad, housing, condemnation, so on, so on, so on. Mm-hmm. So those that can will move. And, you know, they had a lot of people that could. They had the uh, means to do so. So they would move into the counties out of the city. And they would buy these houses and keep up the house, the property, the school district, which was at that time Ferguson. It was a good school district, very good performance and so forth. Well, what happened when the condemnation got so bad in the city, then the politics, as I said before, you would start buying up these townhouses and turn these townhouses into Section 8. Now you got people that live in these in these communities, in these areas, that this ain't used to or don't have the means to sustain. For instance, your own trash bill. You have to have your own trash uh, contracted to pick up, okay? Uh, they don't allow you to be working on taking your transmission and your vehicle out of your car on the streets. You can't so park this, in the yards. Right, but all this leads to the contention that you're not going to have a race war because if people are free to move, you know, if they want to move to a black town, if they want to move to a white town, if they want to move to a, a town like like San Francisco when I live there, is everybody. You know, the Bay, San Francisco Bay Area is probably one of the most integrated areas uh, in the country. You know, I lived in a predominantly black area of Oakland when I first moved to California. I had a great time. I shopped at a Muslim bakery. You know, there was, a, there was an ashram. We had the Buddhists, you know, nearby. We had, uh, you know, many black-owned businesses. You know, and like I said, I used to take my guitar to the laundromat and sing blues. I mean, it was it was a, it was a great experience. I never thought anything of it. I didn't think of myself as a white guy. People, people move. Like I had, a, I have a nephew that moved across the Missouri River in St. Charles County. He moved, he lives uh-huh. in Winsfield, uh-huh. which is sort of rural, and he likes it out there. He lived there off of Canfield Drive where Mike Brown got killed, and I told uh-huh. him, "So you need to get out of here." long time ago. Well, he finally right. did. He raised two daughters. That's not a place to raise no two kids. The yeah. school's terrible. And it's not the children's fault that school's terrible. It's the parents and the family and, and the society there. So let's get back to the question of, of hastening a race war. So it seems to me, and the reason I, I wanted to talk about this for a bit, that we have a country that can have black towns, basically, a black Wall Street, which I want to investigate. You've got people that can move. If, if people want to live in a middle-class neighborhood, that might be middle-class blacks, Hispanics, Asians, Indians, you know, Indian Indians and American Indians. You know? so, so, a lot of these, so it's the idea of trying to hasten a race war. First of all, the, the conservatives aren't going to do it because we don't think of ourselves by race anyway. So it's got to come from the left. And it seems to me that there's enough factors here that we can move, we can do things, we can start different businesses, we can change, we can go to better school districts, that there's no way that a race war is going to come about unless the government forces it, and the government is totalitarian that would do that, and that makes them left-wing. So the idea this is a right-wing problem is, is is a lie. It's projection. So it's the left through the government. 
that's going to create a race war and no other way, based on everything we've just talked about. You can, uh, like Florissant, for instance, Florissant, Missouri, it was all practically all white. Now Florissant has become like the seventh richest black community because blacks have started moving there from uh-huh. other areas in the vicinity. Okay. Florida was by majority. Yeah. Well, let me give you an example. Okay. Florida was probably majority Republican. So during campaign, so election season, you would see a lot of red signs on people's yards. Okay. A black family moving, they're going to have a blue sign in the yard. Fourth of July, people would have American flags flying in their yard, on their homes. Some black families have a red, black, and green, which is like the flag that the BLM carry. Hmm. So now you, it's now it begins. People move out. Those that was flying the American flag on Fourth of July. Those who was having red signs, which indicated uh, they were supporting a Republican candidate, they began to move. But wait a minute. So if you had a uh, let's talk about a nation, uh, an area that was predominantly black. Middle class, upper middle class, you know, why, you know, I would say that would be a typical Republican area. The fact that it's black is, is not really relevant to the fact, except well, that. you're right. I know. I've but known a liberal, black, a liberal well, black family. So a liberal black family, a leftist black family would have the Black Lives Matter flag on the 4th of July. But conservative I've heard black family a story would not. I'll give you examples where okay. conversation was between two people. And the lady said, well, you know, I'm putting my house up for sale. And the guy asked why. It's because it's turning too black. Well, these are two black people talking to each other. <laughs> That's fascinating. Anyway, the, the, the point is, the, the point I want to make, and I want to go on to the rest of this. this well, so they're not talking about, they're really, they're not talking about skin color. They're talking about a, a, how, how could you – a life, a style, a lifestyle. Yeah, an attitude, a philosophy. See, they have uh, what they call uh, – yeah. you have segregation. You have the jury uh-huh. segregation, which is government-sponsored. Then right. you have the facto segregation, which people do naturally. You know, in some, in some areas in, the, in uh, Atlanta, uh, I was listening to another program where a lady was looking for a place to live in Atlanta. And the realtor was talking to her, and she said, I want to live in this community that's all black. I think they were talking about the Cal County. I'm not sure. So she mm-hmm. was looking for an all black community. And like that's I mentioned fine. before, you have a, a group that have bought land in Georgia, and they want to have a black community. Well, you know, literally that's impossible because you can't keep others from moving in there. Well, I know, but, but, you can, but the, if, uh, if, if, uh, but if an area is known for that, then people might make the decision, you know what, I'm, you know, Asian. I don't want to live in a black community. I want to live in a, in a Chinatown. <laughs> you know, I mean, just pick something. The point is, and I want to, I want to sort of move on from this because I got other parts of this I want to talk about. But what, the point is that in order to create a race war, American people of all colors, of all races, are free to do a whole bunch of things that would preclude a race war happening unless – the government did it, and the government would have to do that well, using totalitarian see, leftist forces. That's the point I want to make. Necessary white, it wouldn't necessarily be against the white against black, because no. that, one, that one neighborhood I told you about, I know right. for sure during the time of, of all the rising and the marching, 
is that okay. in one street that's leading into this black area, they practically say, you ain't coming over here. Yeah. Oh, no, I mean, all these things go on. I mean, I understand that. But, look, but the point is, the point I'm trying to make, and this is where we're going to move on from this now, that a race war, a war between, you know, whatever you conceive that to be, is not going to happen by the natural forces of the American people. It's going to have to be forced on us somehow and called a race war. And I still, I don't think it's going to happen. Let me talk about here the overthrow it's a, of the it's government. It's a slow oh, process. It's a slow process that happens. Yeah, okay, we're it, moving it on. does happen. It's a slow process. Right, we're moving on. Okay, so let me get to the next part of the sentence, which says, you know, it says a race war that will overthrow the government and reshape society. So this is what they're really getting to. So this whole idea of overthrowing the government, the government that just overthrew the legitimate government of Donald Trump is talking about the overthrow of government happening sometime in the future, even though they already did it. And they're going to blame the people that actually won the election, Trump supporters. This to me is fascinating. So what is the overthrow of the government? In many ways, I think what they're really saying is that Trump being elected overthrew the government that they were used to. What do you it's think? like what happened in Normandy, Missouri, which was generally all white. It's right there on now, Notre Dame. I want to race anymore. Okay, we've got to get away from race here. I want to talk about well, the I'm overthrow show. of the You see, you only look at it from a national standpoint. It don't okay. start there. It started at lower levels. When you had a black man by the name of Maurice Hunt said if he, he's an interim mayor, he said, if I become mayor, I'm going to fire all the white workers. In okay, this, you're still going back to the race war. I want to get away from that. We got it. We, I've, I've done with that. I need, we need to. We've only got half an hour. I really want to cover the rest of this paragraph. So here's the part that I find interesting: the overthrow of the government. So setting aside the fact that they're not going to cause a race war except by some means of force or things like that, the overthrow of the government, which just took place, by the way, by the government, the government overthrew the legitimate government of Donald Trump and imposed the Brandon insurrection. So we've got a White House occupant. We've got a vice president occupant. We've got an illegitimate government doing all kinds of things, screwing up our country. So the overthrow of the government has already taken place. So the idea of blaming the people that wanted the legitimate government you know, that saying that they're going to overthrow the government when the government has already been overthrown is one of those inherent contradictions that Marxians always talk about, the Marxian dialectic. Well, where Here's was a dialectic. that article written? Like 10 years ago? No, I don't know. Uh, I'm still trying to find it. I well, think it's see, a current that's article. That's thing. Yeah. Well, it I'll, may not I'll, be I'll, current. It may have been written 10 years ago. Well, they've got here, they've got the daily, uh, they've got CEP on Twitter. So the, no, actually this is current. It says the counter extremism project. Um, they've got here a December 29th tweet. They've got December 23rd. So I, I believe this is their current stat. They may have been written earlier, but this is what they currently believe. This is what this counter extremism project is talking about. So let me go, let's, 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 let's go from the overthrow of the government and reshape society. So who wants to reshape society? Conservatives want to restore society to what it was a Republic. So the only people that want to reshape society is the Great Reset, the globalists, the leftists. So now you've got a race war by the, the, the Marxist racists. You've got an overthrow of government by the anarchists, Black Lives Matter, Antifa, those kind of folks, uh, the FBI, the government, the, the coup, the actual government that overthrew it. And then you've got reshaping society. Well, that's the Great Reset. So the people that, once again, this is projection, the people that are complaining the most that the, the, the so-called right wing is going to do things, they're, they're saying the right wing will do what the left has already done and is trying to do. This is the contradiction. This is why I want to warn people that when you hear the term, uh, what is this here, accelerationism, 
It's really leftist propaganda demonizing conservatives, patriots, and independents in order to bring about the race war, the overthrow of the government, or to make well, it happen of the government the right and to reshape too, society. You call it, right? it happens That's amongst the right, too. What do you think those white people that was uh, kneeling down kissing their black shoes, they from the right? No, they're not. It I don't agree. The no, I, mean, I, the white the I disagree. No, I disagree. No, it's I disagree. not. Uh, it's from in the area that this was happening. Those people are basically conservative. Well, why would a conservative do? Why would somebody who believes in individual rights subvert their individual I don't rights know. to the you group? Ask them. They feel guilty. <laughs> yeah, you're right. <laughs> That's a good point. No, this is why I made my 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 uh, thing on the January white sale. Which I'll be playing. A the lot Church in the month of Scientology. What I was thinking about. Huh. Uh, well, that's that's there. That there is not. Yeah, that there is basically. You could say these are. Well, I don't know what you what the political aspirations would be, but uh-huh. they uh, they was working with. They would come down into the inner city and work with organizations. And try to, you know, work. And as you work with organization, work with kids, you're going to be sharing your ideology. Well, that's true. Okay. Let me let me go back to here when, when we talk about this group called the base. This is what they're saying. The base, this this white nationalist, white supremacist group wants to destabilize society, hasten a race war, overthrow the government, and reshape society, everything that the left is doing. So this is what they're so that's projection. Then it says, listen to this. It says these groups, these not just the base, but all of them. These groups often blame societal degradation on factors such as widespread immigration and multiculturalism. Now again, if you identify yourself as an individual, you know the idea of of multicultures is kind of fun. I don't know of of uh, people that are conservative patriots. You know those that favor the republic that wouldn't go to a restaurant of a different race. I mean, how many white people go out for Chinese food? Is that not multiculturalism? That's been going on since the 1800s. You don't don't see Chinese restaurants in white neighborhoods? Are you kidding? Of course you do. You don't see many many Chinese restaurants in white communities like you do in the black communities. You may have a sit-down restaurant. Well, that's interesting. So why would you have more... You got these stores... Huh. In black communities, you got these uh, storefront walk in, walk out. So why would you have more Chinese restaurants in a black neighborhood? Because the food's cheap. Well, that makes sense. Okay, I'll buy that. So let's talk about the the this idea of widespread immigration. Now, when the left and says immigration, what's that again? Mm-hmm. Oh, it tastes good too. Yeah, well, I love Chinese food. But listen, I've lived in some very white areas. I've lived in some very black areas, and they all had Chinese food. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and it's American uh, Chinese because those menus are not served when you go to China. Oh, listen, hey, listen, I'll tell you what. Now, there's, you know, you go to you go to a Chinese restaurant, you know, in Chinatown. Chinatown, Chinatown, San Francisco is fascinating because there's a Chinese restaurant that the Chinese go to, or Chinese Americans go to, right? And then the, the American Chinese restaurants where the tourists go, and they're totally different. <laughs> you know, you think there was a different country, but I'll say something interesting about uh, Chinatown in San Francisco. They fly side by side. The mainland Chinese flag, you know, with the stars, and then right beside it is the Republic of China, the the, tai, the Taiwan flag. So you see both in Chinatown. It's really kind of interesting. Let me get back to this this whole idea of immigration and multiculturalism. So when the left says immigration, what do they mean? What is immigration to the left? Because this is key to the argument. 
open borders. Exactly. So immigration does not, they do not make a distinction between legal and illegal immigration. They do not make a, a distinction between people that apply to come in, like my family did, my parents did, going to an American embassy in Australia, filling out the paperwork, going through the process, you know, bringing me to the United States, which I'm grateful for, you know, so I'm here, right? And so I lived as a Canadian during my time as a, uh, uh, when I was on my green card. And then at 21, went before, I think it was Judge George McGrath. That name sounds familiar for some reason. I could be wrong. It's just the name popped into my head. So I swore my, my allegiance to the United States, took my oath, and, uh, you know, but I went through the process, passed all, all my interviews. I mean, I was interviewed, you know, I went through the whole bit. And I had to prove that I knew the Constitution, the Bill of Rights. And actually, that process is really good because it really gave me an appreciation for the United States that I didn't get in school. Going to a liberal living in New England. You know, going to a liberal education system, I learned more about this country from my citizenship test than I ever did in school, and that's why in college I sought out things like constitutional Well, you law, know, you like got uh, <laughs> you got blacks that's against multiculturalism. Well, yeah, I mean, everybody there's a lot of there's, there's every group has people that are against multiculturalism because they want their own culture. You know, if you're living in a black town, you know, you don't want a bunch of Asians, Indians, you know, a bunch of other folks moving into your black town. If you're living in a white area. You know, or white town, you know, the people, I'm sure the people there, you know, don't want a bunch of folks that aren't white moving in because they want to live in a white town. And that's fine. If you, that's what you want to live so in. You're saying uh, in the education, in the schools, in the public schools, they wanted to have cultural themed schools. Yeah, see, so once again, once it gets into the public, see, the thing is, you know, if people want to freely associate in a white town or a black town, that's cool. If you want to ban people from living there with housing discrimination, that's illegal. And so there's the difference. So free association is fine, but you can't make it illegal. Anyway, I just find this all interesting. Now, so immigration is defined as legal uh, people that legally come here, illegal aliens, which they don't mention. See, the thing is, here's, here's part of the projection. So what they say is that, that conservatives are against immigration. That's not true. Because a whole lot of conservatives are immigrants. Look at Josie. Look at me. Look at any number of people, uh, generation Americans, that were, whose parents came from another country, second generation Americans, whose grandparents came from another country. So nothing, you know, who would be here without immigration. So, so conservatives, you know, and, and folks on to the right of the leftists are not against immigration. What we're all against is illegal aliens. That's the difference. And here's the other one. Multicultural. Uh, oh, conservative, areas, uh-huh. conservative areas used to set what they call housing codes. And in the housing codes, in order to issue a occupancy permit, you had to meet their definition of a family. That's interesting. They also, there were also housing codes that prevented Jews from living in certain neighborhoods. I remember that. Uh, that's uh, you know you could sell to anybody, but you can yeah, sell to Jews. You know sell Jews. To well, exactly. Well, I mean it's, it's it's housing discrimination. That's why we have laws against it. But I'm saying that a lot of times, like uh, country club membership, you know, you had to be a particular you know religion or or philosophy or or color or things like that. So yeah, those are private organizations. Okay, fine. Well, we'll when I was a, a kid, there was an apartment building on mm-hmm. Page Avenue in Hamilton, on the northeast corner. I think the apartment is still there today. Uh-huh. It used but, to be a sign on there that said, no, no blacks, Jews, or dogs allowed. <laughs> yeah. In fact, in Boston, they used to have signs, no Irish uh, need apply. Uh, Tip O'Neill, the former uh, Speaker of the House when Ronald Reagan was president, remembers in his childhood, you know, no Irish need apply. So discrimination is not 
you know, it's not limited to, to a, a particular race or a particular religion. Discrimination happens all over the place, and it's always illegal. Let me talk about this multiculturalism. So, so, so this idea of multi, that's a leftist word. See, conservatives don't think about this. This is why I know this is not a conservative manufactured thing. This is a leftist manufactured thing. Because we, don't, we think of our culture as American. So who makes up American culture? Well, a bunch of different races, a bunch of different religions, a bunch of different nationalities, a bunch of different ethnic groups, and all the things that they bring. You know, clothing, cuisine, you know, all the things that customs, practices, holidays. You know, if we were against multiculturalism, why would we have St. Patrick's Day, Cinco de Mayo, and Kwanzaa? You know, if we're... Yeah, the left created uh, that term. And the left created that term because... Other groups wanted to have, the, like I told you, in their own in their school, they wanted to have their own culture. They wanted to have the lessons mm-hmm. taught based on their own culture perspective. And I can give you some examples of that. In Detroit, they had a school called Indian Bear, which was for Native American children. Uh huh. Well, that's the only Detroit, not Detroit, but in New York, they had an Italian cultural theme school. That mm-hmm. the mirror, I forget which one it was, supported strongly. In many cities, they had African centered themed schools, African centered culture, African centered curriculum schools, and mm-hmm. some of them still do exist today, but not to no great extent. One yeah, comes to mind is the Barbara Sizemore in Chicago. Yeah, Cisco had a Chinese immersion school that uh, they spoke Chinese and nothing else, and they uh, they went over Chinese culture, and that makes sense. See, this to me is perfectly normal. So, so American culture is automatically multicultural because of all the folks that are here, you know. And so, if people don't forget that the thing of Ellis Island bringing all the white Europeans, but they forget that there was Angel Island that brought in a bunch of Asian folks by the millions. Yeah, but see, yeah, but the thing is, is that you had people that was against those singularly themed schools. I think Hillary Clinton's daughter went to an African okay. school. I'm not sure now. Yeah, and but let's but let's being taught there, she went home crying and said that we do this to these people. Yeah, but I got to bring you back to the to the the, the topic here of, of this in terms of left and right, because that's really what this is this this whole thing is about. This is a leftist group saying that the right is the problem when they are projecting the problems. So we're automatically multicultural. We've always been multicultural. It's so multicultural that conservatives don't even consider that term. That's a leftist term. So let me move on here. Then it says they, in other words, the base, these right wing, they're, they're imagining, you know, right wing white supremacist groups that uh, we've already made the definitions. This is they seek to accelerate the collapse. This is where we get back to the original term. Uh, accelerationism. This is they seek to accelerate the collapse of the current corrupt system by promoting discord and chaos, primarily through violence, in order to create a new utopian society. Well, see, that's exactly what the left wants to do. This is like the ultimate projection. So I don't think this is, you know, do we have a current corrupt system? No, we have corrupt people who are misusing it, but the system itself, the, the Republic, the Constitution, the Bill of Rights are not corrupt. So they're, 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 they're trying to it put the right onto conservatives. It, it was the right that, that not... didn't want Kwanzaa in schools. Okay, Did so, you, know so that? You, you still come back to, yeah, that's a sideline issue. I got it. We yeah, have to make sure you, we get to this. But see what I you're doing, Greg. Let me tell you. What? Let me explain to you what you're doing. You're skipping over things. You go between left and right. You uh, Okay, the right did not want 
singular themed schools. They wanted everybody to be American. It was the right that didn't want Kwanzaa in schools that blacks wanted to celebrate for their kids. It wasn't the left. Okay. See, I'm not familiar you know, how the schools but operate, but as, as me speaking for myself, I don't care if schools want to celebrate Kwanzaa, but you also have the right to criticize it. So in other words, people who are against Christmas should be able to say, oh, I don't like Christmas. I don't like, you know, I don't believe in, in Jesus. That's fine. You can say that. And that's well done. They didn't want to keep, matter of fact, my grandson went to a school where right. he went to school on Thanksgiving. Yeah, that's interesting. But in the same way that you that you can't stop people from criticizing Christmas, you can't stop people from celebrating it either. See, I would never stop someone from no, celebrating Kwanzaa, but I would. But I, right. I, I think it's I think it's a non-holiday. I think it's an issue created by a uh, wasn't it created by a convicted felon, <laughs> you know, somewhere like a California university professor who made it up. Is when blacks move in certain neighborhoods like Castle Point there outside of St. Louis. And yeah. the blacks was put up a nativity scene showing a black Jesus, or put up a Santa Claus in a sleigh and was pulled by reindeers, and the Santa Claus was black. Then you had whites that would shoot it down. Yeah, you told me about that too. But see, so I see you see everything through race. I mean, everything, literally everything. And I'm looking at this as a political thing. I mean, I, I see race and I see other issues, but uh, well, it I is wanted... political because blacks would more likely vote Democrat. I gave you an example of that in Florida when you have that's a black not, family moving to a black family they were moving to an area that's majority uh, Republican, and right. they would put out Democratic candidate uh, signs on their lawn, while all the rest of them on the block would be red. Okay, but that's not that's, 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 a, that's a freedom of choice issue, and what I'm talking about is the government policy. See, this is the difference. I'm talking about the government, the leftist government, the coup, the, 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 uh, the, the stealing of our government by a bunch of Marxists that want to, uh, to try to inspire or cause a race war for their own particular purposes so they can reshape society. See, this is the whole point. The whole point of my show today is that this term, accelerationism, is a leftist creative term that they're going to use to demonize folks on the right, independents, constitutionalists, etc. And they're going to use that to create all these things they want. But in order to do that, they have to already blame the, 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 the conservative patriots and independents for what they're about to do so they can get away with it. It's just like Charlottesville. Charlottesville was a microcosm of what's happening here where you had leftist groups that called themselves Unite the Right that ended up blaming Trump and, and all the conservatives when in actual fact it was a left-wing operation. That's what I'm saying here. This isn't a race situation at this point. Race is being used, but we have to get away from that if you really want to see the whole picture here. And so what I'm saying is, by going over this from this, conserv- from this group called the Counter-Extremism Project, I'm telling you this is what I think is going to happen. I that think they're going to use this uh, term to, 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 uh, to demonize and then remake the society while warning people that society is being remade. By people that don't want to remake well, society, you, we just want to work. We already existed in Charlottesville. Uh-huh. There's Truce Avenue in Kansas City where they took down Martin Luther King's name off the street and put back T-R-O-S-T. And that's in a black community. So these things are complicated. Whoever wrote that article is only thinking in very narrow, uh, very narrow view, and not considering mm. all the other things. That I disagree. Do. I disagree. I think this is a, this is an ultra leftist. 
I think these people are dangerous. I think that they are trying to subvert our country. I think they're trying to get rid of the Constitution. I think they're trying to scrap the Bill of Rights. I think they are trying to cause the race war. I think because they've stolen the government that they think they can do anything at this point and remake society into Venezuela, Cuba, China, you know, any of the communist countries out there. I think this is what's going on here. And I think they use race, but race is not the, the goal. The goal is political oppression. The goal is control. And what I'm trying to say is this, I'm, I'm issuing a warning that accelerationism is the next buzzword for demonizing those that believe in freedom, justice, and a free market. Free economic system with a free market and a free system of individual rights. That's what I think the argument is. That's what's going on here. So let me, let me keep no, going here. Boy. Let me keep, uh, let me keep going here and finish uh, some of the stuff that they're talking about here. It says they seek to accelerate. They meaning this is the left talking about the, the right. They seek to accelerate the collapse of the current corrupt system. But see, I don't think it's corrupt. I don't think the system's corrupt. I think the people in it are corrupt. This is by promoting discord and chaos, primarily through violence. Now we all know that the left is the violent group. You don't see conservatives ever being violent. They don't protest, they don't carry signs, they don't do anything, you know, they don't riot in the streets. It's always from the left. So to say that the right is promoting violence or primarily through violence is is a is a blatant inconsistency, is a non sequitur. It makes no sense. Then it says in order to create a new utopian society. Well, that's what the left does. So the, this is like a confession. This whole thing is a confession of what the left is going to do, and they're going to blame the right for, for what the left is going to do and is already doing. Then it says, for example, Brenton Tarrant, somebody I've never heard of, who killed 51 people in attacks on two mosques in Christchurch, New Zealand, on March 15, 2019, subscribed to accelerationism. This is new. Okay, so now I know who Brenton Tarrant is. I remember that because I have friends in New Zealand. We've talked about that. Okay. He says he included in his manifesto, which is a particularly left-wing thing to do, a section on accelerating the destabilization of the societal order, as, and then here's the quote, as only in times of radical change and social discomfort can great and terrific change occur. Well, that's Marxism. That's the whole point of Marxism, is to destabilize the society, make everybody afraid, terrorize people. And then uh, have them run to the government, which is the cause of the terror, as the solution of the terror. So the fact that he went to a mosque, you know, so now he's bringing religion into it. So this guy's an assassin. He killed 51 people. So I don't give a damn what his political beliefs are. Uh, obviously, if his political beliefs made sense, you know, and, or even didn't make sense, he'd make a political argument. He'd write an article. He'd write a book. He'd go on media. He'd make a podcast. He'd do a video. That's what political advocates do. You know, but the fact that he shot up 51 people in a mosque and killed them and discredits him from, I don't care what he believes at this point. He's an assassin. But this is where the left uses a violent act, ascribing political things to that person, because that's their goal. In other words, why does the left always exploit a, an assassination in school, but never, as Shirley does on our show, you know, talk about people that use guns to save lives. Again, we know why. It doesn't fit the agenda. So this person assassinating 51 people, they made that act, that horrible act, that assassination, fit their agenda, saying, well, look, he had political beliefs. He wants to change society. But you don't change society by killing people. No society has ever been changed unless you kill people on a grand scale, and that requires a government because individuals can't kill that many people to change society. This is why I say this to this country. We need to understand these people. That's the argument I'm not making. Make sense? Depends on how you look at it. <laughs> so you and I look at it differently. This is why I like having you on the show, because we do see things differently. Because what Shirley is saying uh -huh. is the same thing as what the other side is saying. 
basically. What's that? You give the reason why we need to have them, and they're giving the reason why you shouldn't have them. Who's them? Let me, let me just be clear what you're talking about. The left. You see, you want to say the left is anti-gun, then you say those that are pro-gun. Well, they use examples that has to do with killing somebody. Somebody that had a gun was able to save more lives because they killed the criminal. Well, yeah, exactly. So that's, that's, a, that's a totally different point of view. So I agree with you. So the left uses criminal acts to take away the rights of law-abiding people. That is, that is a, an irrational contradiction. Well, I guess, you know, the left says that this person here killed Uncle Billy because he had a gun. The right says, well, this citizen with the gun killed the person that killed Uncle Billy because if he didn't kill me, he would have killed Uncle Tom too. Yeah, I think it's bigger than that. Let's, let's, let's bring it to like Walmart saying that you can't openly carry a firearm because somebody shot and killed kids in a school. That's what they're really saying. So they take an illegal act to justify the stealing of rights from the law-abiding citizen. See, this is, that's what the left does. That's projection. They're saying you can't own a gun because somebody else committed a horrible, violent criminal act. See, that makes no sense, but we have to call them out on that. See, this whole article is like the gun argument. They're saying that the right wing is going to destroy society, so we have to stop them when it's the left wing that's going to use the very things they're accusing the right wing doing to stop everybody. This is my warning. Well, they're both huh. the same thing. The right is saying if more people had guns, yeah. then those that the left is saying is people are killing more people. Well, the right is saying that would put a stop to those that wants to kill people. Yeah. And the, right, the left is saying, well, if you took away the gun, those that want to kill people wouldn't be able to kill people with guns. Well, I could use that argument for uh, drunk drivers. If you take away all the cars, you're going to stop drunk driving. Of course, nobody's going to go anywhere. <laughs> you know, so... But no one seems to make that. And argument. then the animal rights people would say, if you do away with the cars, you're going to bring them back horses that's going to have to pull these heavy wagons. Yeah, there'll be poop in the streets. There'll be hazmat in the streets. Let's have a little fun here. We got about. We got about. falling on your ass. Exactly. Well, that's what said, yeah, if you read back in London history, you know the biggest issue in London in the late 1800s was the fact there was too much poop. All those horses have been dropping poop for hundreds of years in the streets. And so if this keeps up, we're going to have six feet of poop by 1950. Well, what do we have in, you know, 1905? You know, the car <laughs> you know, changed everything. Anyway, so petroleum saved the streets from being drowned in poop. I'm here to tell you the discovery of oil gave us plastics, fertilizer, and it gave us fuel for, for vehicles that didn't require us to ride horses anymore. So the streets were saved from, from mountains of poop by petroleum. Now, let's have some fun here for a minute. We've got, we got about five minutes left. Um, I don't know whether someone else said it and it registered in my brain or I thought of it myself. I'm not sure. I can't, I can't remember. This is kind of fuzzy on that regard. But I think Carrie Lake, Carrie Lake is going to be Trump's vice presidential running mate. That's my contention, my prediction. Made here, 854, Action Radio, December 30th. Carrie Lake's going to be Trump's running mate. Wouldn't that be fun? What do you think? Well, I don't, you know, there's pros and cons on that. Okay. Give me the pros. Give me the cons. Well, one pro is that you got a woman, but you got, uh, 
yeah, but leftist the, but, women uh, probably wouldn't vote for Carrie Lake because if they would, they would have came out more in the Texas, uh, I'm sorry, the Arizona race. Mm-hmm. But, the, but the free people, as opposed to the Marx, those are calling us the free, freedom people. So the freedom folks don't care that uh, of having a, a woman as a vice president. They would care about Carrie Lake because she'd be damn good at it. They do, too, when you start talking about that they can't do with their body what they want to. See, the hmm. freedom only goes so far to freedom people. I mean, well, freedom people will put up with so much what the people on the other side won't put up with. And they so, won't. So, so who would be for Carrie uh, Lake because she's a woman? Who would be against her because she's a woman? The one that uh, is against Roe versus Wade being overturned would be against her. Yeah, see, this, this, uh, I always disagree with that mischaracterization. I think it's a mischaracterization. Well, let me say it this way. I, I think it's a mischaracterization to say Roe v. Wade was overturned because that implies but that the right was... Why couldn't they don't vote for It's a good question. It, it's really a good question. So Carrie Lake is pro-life, but so are an awful lot of women. You know, it's interesting that I think married women are more pro-life than single women Carrie are more Lake pro-choice. Lake is pro-life, but uh-huh. I don't think, I think there's more women that want be able to do what they want to with their body for whatever reason. Even though it's not their body, which is kind of interesting. That's a whole different argument. All right, so so let's look at this in, in terms of, uh, first of all, for, for those that are wondering, abortion is not a right. You cannot have a, you cannot have a right over somebody, else, somebody else's body, someone else's person. So the idea that abortion is a right is absurd. And any more than, than uh, you know, women can have rights over men in terms of either forcing childhood upon them, um, well, I better leave it there. <laughs> but anyway, I'm about, this, this, yeah. go ahead. Yeah. No, or, or keeping it, a child away from the father. It's your, you know, yeah. it's your it perception. Way. Like, uh, well, everything's my we perception. We were talking about Somali, and some guy from Somali was prosecuted because he married a 16 year old girl here in the States. Yeah, well, hell, in his country, that's legal. Uh, okay, see, so this is one thing that, that part of immigration. Part of uh, being a legal immigrant to the United States is that you accept the laws of the United States. Now, I think that aren't there 16 is like age of consent in some states. I think some states is 14, isn't it? I, mean, I could be wrong. Yeah, but the United States don't accept the laws in their country because you can go to a country and marry a woman of that country, and uh-huh. that don't mean that the United States is going to uh, uh, respect the marriage life. They're going to say it's hmm. bogus. Well, international law does not apply in this country, so that might make sense. You know, American law is American law. Why they don't recognize a marriage, I don't know. I mean, as I haven't studied that issue. Um, but if it's, well, uh, I if can it's not... Well, I because I know people that went through it. They say it's bogus. Okay. They say that they were born because uh, uh, the person wants to be able to come to the States. Uh, well, that's like Obama's father wanted to come to the States, so he married that lady, his mother. So that's, a fraud, that's a fraud marriage, though. I mean, that's the immigration. We have movies about yeah, that. But, Gerard, yeah, but when they get a license, when they get a license in their country, mm-hmm. a marriage license, well, you should respect it. They marry. Yeah, but we're, we're still off the topic. I want to get back to. Uh, uh, we, we start here with Carrie Lake, and I want to I want to get back to that because I, you know, this I think would be the the, the biggest you know jab at uh, at the left to have Carrie Lake on the ticket. 
because, you know, she's already been through the court trial. We talked about the court trial yesterday that was bogus. It was a horrible decision. There's no, you know, the he, judge denies all the evidence. Um, and so, and then there was the fact that, that Katie Hobbs was the Secretary of State, you know, ruling over her own election, which is a conflict of interest. I just think it'd be fascinating to have Carrie Lake considered or actually have her be the vice president. First of all, I think she'd make a damn good president. That's why I want her on it. That's the main reason. But secondly, there's that, that, that side of me that says that nothing would, would, would freak out and piss off the left more than to have the person that they tried to demon. And in fact, the Republicans do, the, the rhinos, the, the transgender Democrats. Nothing would make them more upset than to have Carrie Lake on the ticket, too. And Trump's already an outsider. You know, Carrie Lake's already an outsider. So let's have the, let's have the administration of the people versus the government, the people versus the deep state. So Carrie, to me, represents the, you know, us people out here, you know, the freedom folks. You know, as opposed to the Marxists, which are represented by the, 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 the Republican establishment and the Democrats. That's why I think it would be such a good pick. So let's get back to that. This depends on what Carrie Lake's stance is. Is she for okay. school choice with vouchers? Well, many teachers yeah, are. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Many women are teachers, and they want that system because it pays their bill. As long as you keep that child in their classroom, then that classroom gets money, which goes toward the salary of that teacher. Yes, I would have no government schools. But Carrie Lake, you know, first of all, Arizona, one of the nice things about Arizona is that they have that whole, whole school choice bill. They have schools, they have scholarships. So you yeah, can, you can you you say use you public money. No government you say you wouldn't have no government schools, right? Right. When? Well, I wanted them closed when they closed down for COVID two years ago. I wanted all the government schools closed down and sold. That was my plan. It was the perfect yeah, chance to get rid of all the government schools. Uh-huh. You're saying you wouldn't have any government schools, but they have government schools. And there's no way in the world you're going to get rid of government schools overnight, over months, over well, a year. Well, I'm not saying overnight or over so well, I see, I, Yeah, see, if, if, I, if, I was, if, you know, if I were governor of a state, I would, I would have kept them closed. Just keep the private. So keep you the, got government schools that's hiring right. female teachers, and these teachers okay. – like that system because they went through school, they acquired student loans, they got to get a salary, and they uh-huh. don't want the school to demise because parents are pulling their kids out because they lost it. They don't want that. Well, let's get well, so let's the main issue of, of whether – so the, the question of Carrie Lake is does she support school choice? And I think she does because I know Arizona does. I mean, they voted for her. You know, I don't know all the issues of, of Carrie Lake and what she supported, but I know she's for – for declaring an emergency invasion, you know, from all the illegals that Brandon's bringing in, you know, I know she wants to election I reform. That she's got the, if Arizona's got a population of immigrants, those immigrants is going to be sympathetic to those that's wanting to cross the Rio Grande River to get into the United States. No, so I they're going to be against Carrie Lake. No, I think legal legal immigrants, not not illegal aliens, but legal immigrants are the people that are the most against illegal aliens because we know what we went through to become citizens. Talk to Josie about illegals. Talk to me about illegals. I can't stand illegal aliens. I know this country is there is more legal. Horribly. Is there more legal, or is there is there more legal? Is there more illegal? I have no idea. That's a good question. <laughs> but it doesn't <laughs> matter. It doesn't matter. It's like when you said that uh, you know you have to have enough vote fraud to change the election. I'm like, no. The fact that vote fraud means you disqualify the person that committed the vote fraud. I don't care whether there are more illegal aliens than there are illegal immigrants. The illegal aliens have to be made so miserable that they leave here. That's, that's how I would handle it. But on the vote fraud, we know that there is vote fraud. 
right. what you call vote fraud. People uh-huh. are voting. Their no, it's voting fraud. How much is it? Yeah, yeah, it is. But well, how much is it? Is it enough to change the election? Well, it doesn't matter though. Again, and this is the argument we had yesterday. It doesn't matter if it's enough to change the election. The fact that it exists means that people should be prosecuted and the candidates disqualified. Same thing with so robbing out a of bank. A million if you people, rob a bank, out of a million people, out of right. a million people that vote, uh-huh. if one person shouldn't be, and he that action that they're voting they shouldn't be is considered voting fraud. Well, should right. that erase the other nine hundred ninety-nine thousand? Oh, so if one vote does – well, see, see but, but there wouldn't be a challenge then. See, the fact that an election is being challenged means that there were enough votes to, uh, to change the outcome. So if somebody wins an election and there's well, votes, the, the winner's not going to challenge it because they won. If Carrie Lake had won the election, she's not going to say, yeah, I won, but there's a bunch of vote fraud. Although she still may want to clean up the vote. Then the other person would have challenged it. And that's fine. Let them challenge it. But they see, the thing is that the, the system is stacked the judge against people. In their favor. Yeah, well, the, the uh, problem is, is that you, the problems with the court is saying is right. that you have to, there's three levels of element uh, levels of evidence, uh-huh. and I can't name them all right now. Undisputed and so on, so on, so on. What the court is saying, you got to show us where this fraud would change the vote count. Yeah. Yeah, and I just disagree with you. I just vote fraud is vote fraud. It's like it's like saying to uh, to uh, a court that uh, the bank robber didn't steal enough money to stop the bank from conducting business. It doesn't matter if you if you steal money from a bank, you go to jail. It doesn't matter how much you stole. It's if you theft. commit vote it's fraud, right. if you theft. commit vote fraud, it's a crime. You go to jail. It doesn't matter how much right. vote fraud you committed. The fact that you committed vote fraud, so if, if you, one person commits vote fraud, that person steal, goes to jail. If an if entire you party, steal a dollar from the bank, it's theft, right? right? Yep. Well, it don't stop the bank from operating. Exactly, but it's you're still guilty of theft. So what you're saying is so that it didn't change the outcome of the bank. Votes, right. If you have 10 people vote in an election, right. that's vote fraud. But uh-huh. it doesn't. it's not enough votes to change the outcome of the election. Mm-hmm. That's what the court's saying. Unless it is enough to change the outcome of the election. See, this is what we don't know. Well, you see, but what, what I'm saying is that fraud is still fraud. See, see this, this is our fundamental point of disagreement. I say that because there's vote fraud, you know, then the person who, who committed vote fraud, um, see, so the difference is, was vote fraud committed by an individual or by a party or by the, the, the person at, at the top of the ticket? So Katie Hobbs committed vote fraud by making rulings that favored her because she was secretary of state. That disqualifies her. If the party well, wait a minute. Made, now, made decisions. Who, okay. Who is the we got to go answering to? She has the answer to the state legislature. Right. The state legislature apparently don't think what she done is wrong. Well, I'm not sure about that. Well, if they I mean, she, did, she, then she the was only declared. Wait a minute. She, she was she was only declared the winner on uh, Christmas Eve by this judge. Well, I don't or think maybe she's, maybe the, no, I don't think maybe she was the judge. Accurate. The judge didn't declare her the winner. The, the judge said there wasn't enough evidence to disprove her winning the election. Yeah, because he says there's not, not enough evidence because he didn't look at it. <laughs> That's the thing. It's easy to say there's not enough evidence when you don't look at it. No, she was declared the winner of the election. Yeah, you're right. So that happened earlier. But it was vote fraud. Anyway, we've got to leave it now. We're gonna, I'm going to play some things, and we'll be back Monday morning, 7 o'clock. Um, or or eight o'clock if uh, Heather's going to join us for tomorrow is Friday. Report. 
No, today's Friday. Right? No, today is Friday. Okay, I'm sorry. That's <laughs> <laughs> okay. No problem. Hey, great discussion. Uh, I think uh, both of us articulate our points of view, and we definitely have differences on how we look at things, and that's what makes this interesting. So thank you very much. We'll do it again next week. Yeah, thank and you. I'll be back in seven have a happy New Year. Happy New Year to you, too. Don't fire guns in the air. <laughs> Not you, but anybody. And go anyway. outside with your football helmet on in case a bullet fall. Yeah, what goes up, what goes up comes down, and they come down at the same speed as they were fired out of a gun. Yeah, exactly. So if you want to support us, All right, to, uh, give, thanks, Bianchi. If you want to support us, you go to givesendgo.com. That's givesendgo.com slash action radio. Uh, for those that want to sponsor action radio, I do create commercials. As you've heard, I'm about to play some of them. Uh, so that would be our, our PayPal, paypal.com slash paypalme slash action radio. So I want to keep them uh, two different ways to do it. And if you want to do regular contributions, even better. Uh, if you want to write legislation, you know, if you want to read legislation or comment on our legislation, go to writeyourlaws.com. That's W-R-I-T-E-Y-O-U-R-L-A-W-S, writeyourlaws.com. And, of course, you're listening to us here at blogtalkradio.com slash citizenaction. And I will be back, probably a little musical interlude here, probably play the 1812 Overture. I kind of like that as a Friday close. It, it makes sense. Anyway. So that'll be our, our musical interlude, and we've got a couple of uh, commercials left to play, all of which are discounts for Action Radio if you use our, our discount code WYL. Uh, and those are on the broadcast page also. You get the discounts. And I will see you all Monday, most likely 7 a.m., but possibly 8 a.m. Check the schedule. Check the, uh, the post to be sure, and I'll probably have the show posted either tomorrow um, or Sunday. And we'll talk to you next week. Do you know your way around healthcare, insurance, pharmacies, surgery, alternative treatments and choices? I don't. Which is why I'm so glad I met Priscilla Romans, had her on Action Radio, and learned about health patient advocacy. She is the founder of Great Care. And now as an affiliate of Great Care, we are proud to offer through our discount code, WYL, which stands for Write Your Laws, a 10% discount. Great Care saves you both time and money. They provide medical advocacy, consultation, advice, and recommendations nationwide. Their website is greatcare.com. That's G-R-A-I-T-H-Care.com. You can email them at greatcare.adm at gmail.com or call them at 469-864-7149. That's 469-864-7149. Greatcare, better health through better knowledge and advocacy. From addiction to achievement, that is the story of Mike Lindell. It started with my pillow and now goes to my coffee. Action Radio is proud to be an affiliate of my pillow. Our discount code is the same for all our product affiliates, WYL which stands for Write Your Laws. My Pillow Pillows are guaranteed the most comfortable pillow you'll ever own. Action Radio is guaranteed to be the most controversial show you will ever hear. Check out their products with our discount code at mypillow.com slash W-Y-L. That's mypillow.com slash W-Y-L. Or order now by calling one 800 544-8939 That's 1-800-544-8939 Sleep well so you can wake up and hear Action Radio live.
this is Greg Penglis for Strike Force, your source for pure energy. Strike Force is a concentrated energy drink that turns a half liter of your favorite beverage into an energy drink. You make your energy drink yourself. Action Radio is an affiliate of Strike Force, so our listeners get a 20% discount. All you do is add our code WYL to the discount code window at checkout. WYL comes from our website, Write Your Laws. So, you can get your energy drink, a 20% discount, and help Action Radio change the relationship of we the people to our government. Not bad. Strikeforce is at StrikeforceEnergy.com. That's StrikeforceEnergy.com. Start your engine. Action Radio. Part of the ADHD Radio Network. The ultimate free speech zone. We the people give our consent to be governed through writing the laws by which we are governed and have the power through juries to nullify the laws by which we do not consent to be governed. At Action Radio, we don't report the news. We are the news. Every other show reports what has happened. We talk about what can happen. From the questions no one has thought to ask, to the answers no one has thought to consider, to the actions no one has dared to take. That is Action Radio. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.